1: And our giveaways continue again today with our Musgrave Park gigs. Codaline play Friday the 23rd of June. I have passes to give away for that just before midday today. That gig, Codaline, Musgrave Park, Friday the 23rd of June. And tomorrow we round it off with tickets for the 1975. I love that beautiful colour photograph in the examiner this morning. It's a US couple um, where you will see in the photograph um, Ali Said proposing to Maha Irfan. Uh, at Bellsfield in Cork. It's a gorgeously taken photograph, beautiful colour with the city in the background and the sunset as well. Now, apparently, they thought that it was going to be very quiet and private, the proposal, and uh, himself down on one knee. But, of course, there was an awful lot of people who were actually enjoying the sunshine in Bellsfield. So there's over 100 people enjoying the sunshine and the event. It's just a lovely story to see for a change in spite of all the doom and gloom. It's a lovely colour photograph. Sometimes photographs capture an awful lot more than words, don't they? well, um, the only words, I don't know what kind of words you want to, you know, use to describe the government's money grabbing tactics and putting excise duty back up. So petrol and diesel are on the upper, or at least they've started uh, to increase again because midnight uh, last night, of course, um, you see prices go up because of diesel, uh, sorry, excise increases. So it's around about an extra five cent that motorists will have to pay today. Uh, so the average price of both diesel and indeed petrol, uh, and and it's kind of it's inconsistent anyway with regards to what you pay at the pumps. It really depends where you go and even the day that you go there. But nonetheless, um, you know, unfortunately, it's one of the supports that were there for a while and that one's gone as well. So it's a story that makes the mirror in all of the red tops. How did we arrive at the situation where we have to offer free counselling for children in all primary schools? across seven counties in Ireland to help address anxiety caused by social media and the pandemic, uh, the COVID pandemic, when children's lives were turned upside down and they lost an awful lot of the natural skills that they should have been uh, developing because of it. So Norma Foley says that there's something in the region of five million. It's a pilot scheme first. That's why I say seven counties, a pilot scheme that will provide the service uh, to schools uh, where children are suffering from uh, anxiety, ...suffering from stress and issues like that... Um, ...and a lot of it has to do with the very present dangers... Uh, of of social media and indeed uh, fallout from from COVID lockdowns. So free anxiety therapy for primary school. It's just it's just sad to see that it really and truly is. Um, it's good news. And you heard it in the news there as as the city attempts to power ahead with with redevelopment. So the issues regarding the South Dock. Well, at least some of them seem to have been resolved now, and O'Callahans have got the nod uh, to at least begin. And they say that work will commence. You know, clearing the site, I suppose, in quarter four of this year and then construction will begin in the in the middle of next year. And you'll be looking at, uh, the, you know, doing a conversion job to, say, as an example, the long idle Odlums building and then another. And that would be, um you know, mixed use development like four buildings and converting Odlums and then planning permission as well for uh, a rehabilitation hospital, all within the South Dockland. So it's a front page, a bit of good news. There were there were appeals against both of those projects, but they were withdrawn. So Dockland plan gets the headline, gets the go ahead as the headline in the Echo. But they do knock things back at the same time. And there was a proposal out in the Douglas area, in the village, to uh, construct sixty five apartments um, in the East Douglas Street, East Douglas Village area, um, and that now has been refused by Cork City Council because they say. It wouldn't really fit uh, with, and it would be out of character with the pattern of existing developments in the area. Uh, So I imagine that comes as a relief to the people within the area, but it's a loss of 65 uh, potential apartments. And you know, um, we're never too far away from a scam story on the air, unfortunately. There are more and more of them. Much of them now have migrated to your mobile phone, or to an email that you might receive, or a dodgy phone call, or clicking on a link. But the old-fashioned ones of calling to people's homes continue. And unfortunately, all too often with elderly people, there's a Court report this morning from Liam Heeler in The Echo, where uh, the judge described it as, as a heinous crime, where a young man calls to the home of a 79-year-old woman and convinces her, dupes her into paying um, €600 euro for work on her roof that was never done. It's the same old story. A fellow called Brian O'Sullivan from the airport road. He was charged with the count of dishonesty by deception inducing the elderly woman to hand over 600 euro in cash for repairs with the intention of making gain for himself. That's kind of the legalese version of it. Story goes that uh, firstly it was 400 euro tiling on the roof that he said were cracked or damaged. And of course he was already working in the area and that's why he called. Anyway, he didn't do it and she uh, got very suspicious about her about it. She had paid him the, the 600 euro. But in fairness to him, when she became suspicious, she took down the registration number of his van. And pretty much no work was, was done at all. They they rarely do, a lot of these characters, call in door-to-door. Uh, and then senior crime officers took photographs of the work. And then, of course, they managed to apprehend the character. Uh, and the story uh, makes this morning court reports uh, with a man pleading guilty. Now, uh, I can come back to this because there are a lot of other issues going on in Cork with regards to people who have been, uh, been done and people who have been caught and scammed. And if you have stories of those share but the judge said he was taking into consideration the absence of any previous conviction, the fact that he repaid the money in full and the fact that he was only 21 and he got probation, the probation bond for a year. The care crisis within nursing homes makes the front of this morning's Uh, Irish Daily Mail we can update now the amount of nursing homes that have closed in the past three years the figure now stands at 31 31 nursing homes in the past three years and that's the loss of 915 beds Um, and older people and the mail put it correctly face a very uncertain future with more nursing homes apparently about to close down Um, and also I suppose what many people who are listening to this who maybe are elderly or feel that they will need care is probably they're crossing their fingers three Hail Marys and saying you know I hope that I'll always be able to stay in my own home and the tragedies um, that befall uh, families and indeed Irish society some inquests making the papers today. I'm reading one from the Independent this morning, which is the inquest into the death of a 12-year-old boy who was driving a car that veered into the path of an articulated lorry. Um, his death was a tragic accident. Clearly it was. It's the story out of Newcastle West County Limerick of Victor uh, from Poland, uh, but was living in Limerick. Um, apparently, he uh, took the car unknown to his mother. He took her Nissan Qashqai from the home that night while the rest of the family were asleep and it led to the death of the 12-year-old lad. They, well, some of the papers call it, um, um, Well, I don't think I'm confusing it with other stories, that there is a story making this morning's uh, mirror then with regards to jet skis. This this is not an inquest, incidentally. It's, it's a real-life story that just happened yesterday where a young man's body was recovered from a lake um, up in uh, Loch Darg. They flip, jet skis can flip over They may seem like a toy to people and they are a lot of fun, but they're serious craft and they clip along in a right old belt and they can flip if they're handled incorrectly. And that's what happened. And the story making the front of the mirror today is that story of the jet ski horror. And then there was another inquest, and that was into the uh, O'Sullivan family in Lixnaw in County Kerry. You might recall it. um, It's very kind of, you know, it's kind of almost like sensational headline making the star this morning. They say wiped out, but to to an extent they're, they're not wrong. And there's still a mystery as to why Mosse O'Sullivan, the farmer, uh, unlawfully killed his long-term partner Eileen and their son Jamie and then went on to kill himself. There's a lot of detail regarding the farm murder suicide um, because uh, Eileen was fine uh, up to the day before uh, the killing, and no, no showed no signs of any kind of anxiety or worry or anything. Um, and one of the papers actually says that one of the pals of, of Mossy um, actually did talk to him on the day of the murder suicide, and he said he couldn't, Mossy was, he couldn't wait to get him off the phone. That He was sounding quite agitated. So Anne Mooney covers that for The Sun today. Actually, the papers also uh, talk about issues regarding, I probably shouldn't mention this when I'm talking about knocking back planning permission, but Dara O'Brien has come out now and he's pledged that he will I suppose, my words, magically find 4,000 beds for refugees and asylum seekers. And he will do it by the end of the year. Apparently, at the moment, they're refurbishing units from the Department of Housing, or refurbishing units. I don't know where. I don't know where these locations are, or where these sites are. But they need at least 4,000 extra before the end of the year. Which actually is quite bizarre. Because um, they didn't manage to spend $246 million that was left unspent in the in the housing budget. And serious questions are going to be asked now with regards to the Housing Department officials, to the Public Accounts Committee. Not that that will make a blind bit of difference, but nearly a quarter of a billion remained unspent, um, you know, whether it was to build them or to rent them. But anyway, you know, when you look at uh, money unspent, much of it comes in from taxation. Um, and it's interesting to see that a third of the companies here... Um, are paid by just three multinationals. A third of comp- all company taxes in Ireland are Ireland, paid by all companies, uh, right across Ireland, um, a third of it is paid by three multinationals. And while we don't know who the three are, um, it is being hinted and suggested that two of them are most definitely Microsoft and Apple. Because Microsoft paid 2.7 billion in corporation tax in 2022. And in spite of all of the shenanigans about the, you know, Apple money and money owed to the state, they still paid. 7.9 billion in corporation tax last year. So if you took them out and, you know, if anything were to happen to multinationals of that size and they went to Eastern Europe, look at the big hole in the exchequer if that were to happen. And of course, we'd all sorts of census stories making the papers over the last couple of days. Um, and uh, the, the, I'm not really saying uh, that this is accurate because I actually thought that. This is about a story from about five years ago, but apparently, because we're living longer, uh, the census is now suggesting that children born this week Don't you love it, like, why this week? Why not next week? Children born this week have a good chance of seeing their 100th birthday because of longevity um, increasing. Uh, Irish people are living longer than ever before, and we saw that in the in the census report uh, on yesterday's programme. Um, but They're saying that, you know, this won't be just the odd person living to 100. It's that, you know, people will as long as you mind yourself, you're not smoking 60 fags a day and eating fast food from a chipper every day. But if you mind yourself, you will easily make 100 and possibly even higher. But there's also research, this would be research from hell now, if you were asked to do this. They were trying to work out whether baby boys or baby girls were noisier. Which was it? So they decided that they would research 6,000 babies aged up to two years. They recorded 450,000 hours of audio and got 56 million baby noises. Could you imagine having to sit down and listen to that research from hell. But anyway they did manage to find out who's noisier and apparently you might think that babies are equally noisier but baby boys are significantly more vociferous and noisier than girls they're a lot more talkative and noisier only up to the age of 18 when girls begin to overtake them and they never stop so up to eighteen months, it's the boys, and after that, the girls catch off and away they go, and they're noisier and more talkative than the boys. So at least we have that research, and you know, it's it's amazing that um, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm interested in this, but Al Pacino as a dad at the age of eighty three with a twenty nine year old film producer girlfriend, why not? I mean, go for it, man. There's no reason you should be hanging up the spurs and hanging up the holster and the gun anytime soon. He follows in the steps, apparently, of Robert De Niro, who's a father, again, at the age of 79. So, by the time Al Pacino's baby uh, arrives at a 21st birthday, how old will he be? 93, 2000, uh, he be 100, 104, is it? Yeah. 114. Uh, oh. Yeah, 104. 104, <laughs> yeah. Huh? Uh, well, what do I you mean, think of that prospect?
2: I just, I, I think I said, what did I say to you yesterday? Yikes! I think that's kind of like the best way. Like, I mean, to be
1: yikes moment.
2: Everybody's entitled to do what they want to do, but like, I mean, he's I mean, she's my, she's oh, my. I'm age.
1: delighted. I'm delighted. I'm delighted, and secretly saying, oh my god, almighty my. Which,
2: like, what happens if he, you know, like, d- d- like she's going to have to raise the child by herself, essentially? Yeah.
1: Well, I think there'll be an awful lot of help with that with Al Pacino's bank balance. Well he No problem there. That. No,
2: but like, I just, I. Don't I don't know, like she's my age, you know. I mean,
1: love, love knows no age. Love knows no age. Yeah, the people
2: love. do. I don't know. I just, I just. And she was, she was, uh, she was formerly um, Mick Jagger's um, heartthrob as well. So I mean, look, fair, play, fair play to her. But for me, it's a bit like. I do It's kind of a kind raring of,
1: nightmare. But y- yeah. you, you wonder whether these people with so much money like that would have not, wouldn't have have nannies and housekeepers and two nannies and oh, a different God, nanny for every day of the week. Oh, kind of
2: probably. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I'd say they're probably teaching them all kinds of languages under the sun as well. But it's just the idea of like. What do you think of her, 28
1: eight of year old in. Uh, I would it, give her her Juno. She's 29. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. 29 year old. Well, <laughs> she's in her 30th year. <laughs> don't say that.
3: <laughs> don't say that to me. I don't want to believe it. Um, I'm looking for a review of that. uh those stats that you have on the uh, the boys you versus girls, yeah, you can have it. Because I I can't think that's right. Like, how I, old your smallie? She's uh, she'll be two next month.
1: Okay, well she should start taking off now in the talkative department and the yappy yappies. Well,
3: she is, but like um, I, I I think they've got that that's the, those <laughs> that's stats she's, wrong. She's taken after her got, father, I think they've got them the wrong way around. I think it's the <laughs> girls. And then the boys take over.
1: No, well, what I'm saying to you is they did 5,000 babies' research, 450,000 hours of audio, and recorded 56 million baby noises. I think they have enough research there. Well, I think they need to, to conclusively. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> in Middleton. There's All a right.
2: joke. There's a joke there about uh, about uh, males babbling in the doll, isn't there? There's definitely something about uh, overgrown, plenty of overgrown men babies anyway, making lots of hot noise. But, yeah. All
1: right, my, my man, appreciate song. it. There's a couple of other stories making the papers today, uh, which we'll come back to. Uh, after 10 but I want to plough ahead now Um, there's some funny ones actually including a story from New Zealand where the airlines are asking patients to be weighed before they allow them onto airplanes some more on that and lots more besides but I want to talk to Colum Doyle uh, because he incidentally quit smoking uh, six months ago but is walking from Dublin to Cork to raise money for a charity that provides service dogs to people with autism and I think the walk started according to my calculations at 9 this morning so I'll catch up with him after the break.
4: Call the Neil Prenderville show now. 0818 104
1: 106 Red FM Alright, so let's catch up with Column Doyle from Glenville. He's in Dublin at the moment in and around Liffey Valley. Column good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, my man. Thanks for taking the call, pal. Have you started or are you about to start? Um, we're just about to start there. all no, we're just kicking off. So you will walk from Dublin to Cork. It should take you, what, five or six days kind of thing?
5: Uh, we're working out for seven days. Seven. Uh, Bean is so it can be families along the way.
1: Okay. so have service dogs as a charity? Okay. Okay. And, and, and this is this is because your daughter Mia uh, is on the autism spectrum, and you see the benefits of a service dog for those living with autism. So this is this is what's motivating you to do it, isn't it?
5: That's correct. We got a you know, my daughter's service dog, my companion, six years ago, and it has made an awful difference to our family life since having Yoko as our
1: companion. From my canine companion, isn't it? That's correct, yes. So you're you're raising money obviously by way of doing this walk. Um but what motivated you to do it as well? Because when I was listening earlier in the week, I heard a clip on the news saying you're an ex smoker, is that right?
5: That's correct, Jack. Yeah. Yeah, six months uh cigarette free and you know the health benefits and everything else from it are there. Um when it was brought the subject about to a big fundraising for my canine companion to get a new home and some people said look we do something big and it was banded about like we walked Dublin car, so like walking to our new home was the idea which you know 250 odd kilometres 264 I think it's a big undertaking
1: it's not and something you'd have been able to do if you were still smoking is it? were you smoking many
5: oh yeah I smoking over 25 a day 25-30 a day
1: right. um,
5: yeah that kind of walk and yeah you'd be out of breath physically and-, and was that
1: for years and years I was it oh yeah since about 16 17, yeah Right. And had you many failed attempts
5: to give up? I did over the years, you know, but I don't think I was totally invested, which is half the reason why I failed, kind of willpower was there, but, you know, I don't think I was really ready to go for it, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And what made the difference then? I mean, like, you you, you say you were constantly out of breath, you probably couldn't walk long distances, probably always felt sluggish, pains in the chest kind of thing, was it?
5: Yeah, just generally unhealthy, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
5: And cigarettes are the main cause of it, obviously. And how so, did
1: you manage to quit and stay quit?
5: And the HSC have a programme. So it was actually up in St. Mary's Orthopedic I went to. So they have a quit programme. And they support along the way. Um, they provide nicotine replacement therapy products as well. Right. What well, was that, like they patches, support, was, it, was it? Patches? You have a different choice depending on what you are as a person and what you want. You know, you have an option of which you want to try yourself. So the girl up to Miriam talks to everything and lets you try everything. Yeah.
1: And what so worked for you?
5: Uh, it's the patches and the, the vape the patches and the vape and, and do you, well, it's you... not a vape it's actually a nicolette inhaler it's not a vape
1: I understand but while you're taking those because there's also Champex and stuff tablets isn't there
5: no no it's, yeah there's options as well but I just went with the patch
1: and did uh, you, and when you start that kind of treatment do you stop smoking straight away then
5: Yeah, you stop straight away and go 100% to stop smoking
1: Yeah, yeah so you smoke for 35 years and that's how you quit and do you get any yeah. cravings now 6 or 8 months later
5: you know what, you would for a second or two every now and then. Um, you know, you might be in a social setting and somebody might be smoking a cigarette next year, or you might come out to you know, a stress meeting or anything else. You know, you walk past the smokers, so there's something you
1: just kind of go, Jesus, oh, I wouldn't mind the cigarette. I know what you mean, yeah. But it for... passes very quick. Yeah, you know? what, and so what do you have to do? Just say, This will pass?
5: I, at the no, I don't even need to. At the start, yes. But now I just kind of go, No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm a non smoker now and. I just walk on, you know? Yeah. Some, it's, people's it's, tri-
1: yeah, some people's triggers can be first thing in the morning or after their dinner or with yeah. a cup of coffee. Isn't it true?
5: And a lot of it is social and habit. You know, what you do during the daytime, it's, you know, there's so many years doing it, it's hard to break it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not well done. Congratulations on that. But you're not walking alone. Is there a group of you doing this?
5: There's a group of doing it. Um, my wife is joining me. And we've 700 people joined us for the full walk. And then, like, we will see, all the other bodies joining us, and we family members and staff members from my Kenneth family.
1: And tell me. So it's th- a mixed group. Yeah, tell me how you're going to break down the days, because obviously you'll have lo- overnights in places along the way. What's the route?
5: So the route, like, I mean, first day we'll go from uh, Liffey Valley, uh, Volkswagen actually, Liffey Valley, down to Ness. And uh, second day, is Ness, Killaire, Killaire, Port Lee, Seven So then along the old route, then.
1: You're, you're so, clearly not oh, going sorry, down sorry. the side of the motorway, you're doing the older, older oh, roads. The old
5: route. Yeah, it's about 32, 35 kilometres a day
1: is what we're averaging. So you'll be going through some beautiful towns and villages along the way that we don't see anymore because we're on the motorway. Yeah,
5: and I'm looking forward to it, you know, because many years I drove in a car, but now I get to
1: take my time and enjoy it. And what about the weather? Is it on your side or will it it be too warm?
5: Uh, For me, I think it will be a small bit too warm, but, you know, look, it's Ireland. We take the nice days when we get them. (laughs) That's
1: true. It'd be an awful lot worse if it was cold and raining, wouldn't it? Correct. Yeah. So, seven days from now, you'll have walked the 242 kilometres and you'll end up in Mallow.
5: That's correct, yeah. So, we'll be stopping in Mallow G first to meet up with a lot of um, service users and clients in the Cork area and they'll walk the last two kilometres with us.
1: Well done. And what will you do for food and water and stuff along the way?
5: Well, we've got a support vehicle, off Volkswagen. they are they're sponsoring us. So, that's kind of loaded up with drinks and you know energy bars and stuff like that. And then, in fairness, some of the schools are joining the campaign. They set up food stops for us along the way as well. that's ah, brilliant.
1: I think it's fantastic. So we call
5: into them, we meet them, you know, get pictures of the people who are actually using the dogs. So it's a real family thing, the charity, you know. Um, we're going to meet different clients all over the country along the route. And they'll join us and walk a few kilometres every day with us.
1: And it, and it's also a, mi- it's a a marker for you, isn't it, a milestone? Because you would not be doing this if you were still smoking 25 to 30 fags a day.
5: No, to be fair, I probably would have laughed at you and told you that politely or unpolitely where to go on, you know I wouldn't have tried it you know?
1: yeah, yeah. alright well I hope you don't get too stiff I hope the muscles don't give out in you they won't anyway just clip away yeah. at your own pace you
5: Well, know, it's going to be a nice handy pace because we're meeting families we're stopping off or chatting you know the pace is designed so we have time to meet people along the way and we encourage people to come out and join us and have
1: a chat and you know it's a social thing as well. It's not just our work. You know? All right. OK. And, and let's not forget, this is for My Canine Companion uh, for um, service dogs. How can people contribute or help if they want to?
5: Well, I mean, obviously, it's going to be all over social media. So just look for My Canine Companion. Yeah. And the website itself, mycaninecompanion.ie, will actually have the links to donate on it. And along the way, we have a big, we have a Volkswagen Buzz thing with a big QR code. So people can scan that when they're stopped at different places so there's various ways so social media would be the easiest way for most people but along the route we will have um, you know the QR codes and everything else oh, so go on mycaninecompanion.ie well or check out My Companion on Facebook Okay. and it has okay. the links to donate on there
1: alright well listen have a great walk enjoy it it would be good to chat with you again early next week to see how it's going are you alright with that Colin?
5: I am indeed you want to
1: join us for the last few kilometers or more than Michael. You'd never know. I'll join you maybe a a half a kilometer on the Dublin side of Mallow or something. (laughs) Maybe more than Michael if you want to join us along the way. All right, pal, we'll talk early next week, all right. No problem, Neil. Thanks very much. All the best. Cheers. Congratulations and best of luck to you all. Heading off from Dublin to Cork on the back roads, the old roads, the one we used to drive before the motorway through all the beautiful villages and towns that are long since forgotten by many of us. Text O eight six eight one oh four one oh six. Pick up the phone on O eight one eight one oh four one oh six. There is a story making the papers today with regards to smokers and people who like the odd fag. And apparently, according to the Sun, if you are a smoker, you are gaining an extra week off work Every year, because of the cigarette breaks that you take at work. All right, they say that many, many smokers leave their desks several times a day for a fag or to vape. And some take as much as 20 minutes out of their day. um, But they say that when you do the maths on it, generally, it works out at about 50 minutes a week or 40 hours a year outside having a fag. And that's the equivalent to at least a week's extra holidays. (laughs) A year. I wonder. I wonder if companies now would be looking at that figure and saying, hmm, that's kind of interesting, isn't it, with regards to productivity levels in the workplace from smokers. But anyway, text 0868104106. Can I just flip, if you don't mind, actually, from smoking to vaping? Because the jury seems to be very much out, you know, uh, with regards to vaping as being a great way to get off smoking and a safe, safer way of Getting off fags, right? But one of the big issues, of course, here and in the UK and America and the world, is try and ban vaping or the selling of vape products to children and those that are under age. Um, they're also apparently very touchy feely about about flavoured vape uh, liquid, e liquid, if you like. I got a very interesting email from Pat, but he joins me by phone. Pat, good morning.
6: Good morning, Neil. How
1: are you? Very good. Now, what, are you a smoker? Are you a vapor? Do you have uh, skin in the game in this or anything like
6: that? I have absolutely no skin in the game other than I was a smoker for 30 odd years and gave up the cigarettes and uh, started vaping and never looked back.
1: And did your health improve?
6: 100%. Mm. In what I way? Was- I wasn't able to taste food while I was smoking. Um, but basically, what actually got under my skin was we had um, the whole map in the other night. He came out and he said um, the tobacco companies, um,
1: there was their revenge, the he, vapes. He said forwarding. vaping is the revenge of the tobacco companies. Yeah. Yeah. when...
6: Well, Michail Martin should actually look into the tobacco companies actually wanted to get rid of vaping because if you look at America they've actually banned vaping in an awful lot of states and like I said in the email you should actually look into it before you'd have anybody come on and speak about it. Um, In America years and years ago um, there was uh, when, when we had um, notifications put on that uh, cigarettes cause cancer, they waited for two or three years in America before they put them on their packages in America. Mm. Mm. So every state in America gets a couple of million um, every 10 years of matures from the cigarette um, companies. And what was happening is that people were turning to vaping because, like, it's nicotine. And nicotine, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't cause cancer. It's the chemicals that's in the cigarettes that cause
1: cancer. Ah, well, I, I I wouldn't know about that now. Um, but you, you as a, a well, you you are a cancer survivor, is that right? Yeah. 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 Was the cancer associated with smoking?
6: A hundred percent.
1: Okay. Well, it's 100%. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and, and and did just did, is it gone now? Did you get? To, are you clear of it?
6: Yeah. Yeah. But was what it the lungs? No, no, in the esophagus. Wow. No, but my, 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 my actual point is that he came out and he said that there was the revenge of the tobacco companies. The, the tobacco companies, if you look into it, actually want rid of vaping.
1: You know, I, my, I don't have the stats in front of me, unfortunately, but my understanding was that the tobacco companies actually are selling and getting involved in investing in vaping. It's the future for they them.
6: are. They are no... They are now, but initially they wanted to get rid of vaping completely. They wanted they wanted rid of vaping. Uh, there, there was uh, f- uh, fair stories came out about popcorn lung and yes, vaping was causing all this. What was happening is there was people over in America, they were putting in their own um, illicit drugs and they were uh, into their own making their own stuff. Yeah, none of this none of this came from I mean a shop to two boy. Your e thing,
1: yeah, yeah. You know? But and, you, you make your own liquid, do you? I do, yeah. I mean, not, without yeah. getting too technical, how, how do you do that?
6: Well, I, I buy nicotine and I buy the flavors, um, and and uh, I buy the PG and the VG, and I mix my own
1: stuff. Okay, you make you make a, a a big quantity of it that keeps you going for a long time at a fraction of the cost. Correct you make your own yeah. coils as well, do you, to put into the yeah. vein? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and are, you, are you sure you're not damaging yourself making your own liquid?
6: Well, well, I can tell you something. Um, if you wanted any, um, any person to check it out, it's as safe as what they, they make actually inside in the shops. You know, that play to the shops.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of confusing as to whether it's, it's... It clearly is better than smoking cigarettes, right? But is it still safe in its own right? Um, don't well, in the UK well, don't they give them out uh, to?
6: Well, well, this, this is the point. They said a vaccine is ninety-five percent safer, according to um, the uh, British. Um,
1: uh, well, it's the equivalent of British Department of Health, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. So they said it's ninety-five percent safer if you're inside in prison over in, in the UK. Basically, they'll give you vapes to get you off the cigarettes. If you're pre- if you're pregnant in the UK, they'll actually ask you can you stop smoking. If not, they'll give you vapes. No, they're not expensive; they're cheap, okay. right? But okay. they 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 give them to people as an alternative to smoking.
1: But just with and regards they- to your own e liquid, right? How do you yeah. control the amount of nicotine that's in it? Because they come in different, like you can get five mils. 10 mils, 18 I, mils 25
6: I, mils of I, I, the... I measure
1: up by weight, uh, Neil So I you know the, you up know up the e-li- e-liquid that you that you use, what's the nicotine percent? Uh,
6: basically I use 3 milligram
1: So you got 3 mils of nicotine
6: Yeah, that would be in a 100 mil bottle
1: Right, okay, so that's quite low then, but do you find yourself addicted to it?
6: Not addicted to it but basically I could either use that or a patch and um, I didn't think the patches were any good. Uh, basically the only successful way that I could give up the cigarettes was using vaping.
1: Okay. And has your health improved and your breathing improved and your energy levels?
6: A hundred percent. Right. Okay.
1: hundred percent.
6: Like like the the idea that Older people don't like strawberry flavour, you know what I mean? We don't like bubblegum flavour, this is all supposed to be targeted at our children. Neil, do you like strawberries? I do. Well, according to uh, Michal Merton and uh, Simon Harris when he was the Minister of Health, uh, elderly, older people, we don't enjoy that sort of stuff. That's only for
1: children. Oh, that if you are doing it, it should be just nicotine flavour.
6: And that's what we try to get away from when we're smoking. We try to get away from the nicotine uh, taste itself. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the issue with the bubble gum, right, and the strawberry, and the and the you know those kind of fruity flavors is it is attracting children.
6: Well, basically, I don't agree with it being sold to, to kids under 18. I definitely don't. All right. Uh, okay. You okay. know the way they have the, the cigarettes in behind them, um, in the shops the way they have them locked away they should have the same with the key juice
1: Do you hope that at some stage you'll also be off the vape? Um
6: yeah, well, I, in actual fact, I actually enjoy it, me. Okay, all right, okay, okay. You know, I actually, I actually enjoy, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Uh, you know, the, the only thing that I actually enjoy is uh, is it having, you know, cups
1: off me there. All right, you'll be happy to know as well that it is true that tobacco companies have entered the e-cigarette market and the big brands include Imperial, Philip Morris, British American Tobacco and Japan Tobacco International. They've and, all moved we, into e-juice yeah, and vaping.
6: When, when, when did they start coming into it, Neil? Because 2016 they didn't, and, um, and the TPD came in in 2016, and they see that they couldn't get rid of the vape, and so they decided after 2016 that they'd stop entering the market. But before then, the, the cigarettes, like we have big lobbyists over in the United States. Big time, Uh, telling them, oh, get rid of the vapes, they're very bad, the kids are all vaping and everything. No, there's a small bit of truth to it, but there was hysteria about it,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, but you don't want minors going around vaping, you know, uh, taking nicotine into their system, and the potential of, because there would be some cancer, or there would be some, some chemicals and additives in it, so you don't want that.
6: No, no, I don't, but what I'm trying to say is that so, we just say for argument say the likes of vodka that has um, flavours in it. So kids will drink the vodka. So are we going to ban vodka because it has flavours in
1: it? That's a very good point, that if vodka is being sold, it should be just vodka, not lemon vodka, not um, Tanora the, the vodka that we were talking about last week. I know it's a Tanora yeah. gin, actually. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah.
6: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what they're trying to come out and say is use the same excuse as what they've used in America. And an awful a lot of states in America have banned the vaping.
1: But can an under 18 in Ireland Go in and buy a vape And a bottle of juice
6: I genuinely don't know any Because it's been years Since I've actually So they must be
1: Able to get them Because you see them with them So how are they getting them
6: maybe they're doing the same as what they do outside the off-licenses. They're sending an elderly person in to, to buy them. I, I genuinely don't know so I couldn't answer okay, it for okay. you. I, but, I, 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 I'm just all right.
1: saying
6: maybe that's how they're
1: doing it. Let me, find out, let me find out. Okay, well look after yourself, Pat. Thanks for the email and thanks for coming on here. appreciate it. Alright, thanks. Cheers, my Hello. man. Back after the break. Hello. Text 0868104106 if you want to get involved in this. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now,
4: 0818-104-106, Cork's Red
1: FM. I was talking about TELUS in Mahan uh, yesterday's program and the potential loss of more jobs to Eastern Europe. And I got quite an alarming email in from somebody who actually worked in a call center setting uh, for many years and describes it as a very toxic place to work long term. From his experience, so more on that. But I was contacted yesterday by Lorna Bogue, who's an independent councillor for Cork City Southeast, um, and uh, I think worked in in Voxbro for for a period of time. Uh, but I'm just interested to hear uh, because she also says that, in her words, call centres can be a very toxic place. Lorna, good morning.
7: Good morning. How are you? And
1: uh, you also say a very hostile place. Yeah,
7: definitely. Um, I, I, um, I, I, I that, that's. that's, that's term very toxic workplace um i I think most people um who who work um uh, there would say the same thing um i uh, call centers as well are kind of difficult places to work but i I think that uh well i is box pro when i was working there myself but um tell us now um from what i've been hearing but are you saying
1: that generally because you 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 say this in the plural call centers centers
7: yeah Yes, well, I've I've worked in quite a few. Um, so um, I was working with Amazon, um, with Apple. Um, I was also briefly working with um, Clearstream. Um, so um, yes, uh, I would say in general that they're they're difficult places to work because you know you're a customer service agent, and we would all know from ringing up customer service people ourselves in our everyday lives that the person on the phone to you is usually poorly paid and also not really given the tools to kind of help you you know so generally they get the brunch of
1: yeah all too often of people problems. don't appreciate that and they give them an awful lot of grief
7: yeah well well this is it and i suppose if you think about the person who's actually doing that work i mean they're sitting there on very long shifts um very small number of breaks very low um, time on the breaks as well. Like when I was working in Box Pro, it was um, a forty-hour week, and my breaks were two breaks of fifteen minutes and one of half an hour uh, for lunch. Um, how I, long was I the suppose. shift? Um, well, well, gen- generally it would go kind of um, well, well, eight hours. But um, very often people, because of the low pay would also do overtime as well on it.
1: Um, So that 13-minute break and two 15-minute breaks, that was it. And other than that, you were kind of pedal to the metal, working all of the time.
7: Yes, because we had very um, high targets. Now, there was another part of that as well, which was um, when I was working in BoxPro, and I was just looking back over my um, employee handbook and um, contract, so taking a little trip down memory lane there. Um, But um, we we had, it it, it wasn't written anywhere in these things, but um, when I was there, we had 15 minutes a week for toilet breaks, and these were timed. Um, How are they timed? How how are they um, timed? So the the way that it works is that um, you'd be at your computer and up in the top right-hand corner, I was working for Airbnb, but in the top right-hand corner, there would be, you know, your targets. So how many cases you had solved that week. And generally, it'd be a number of about eighty, ninety, one hundred. 90, 100. It would change all the time. Um, and I suppose then in the other uh, side of the top right-hand corner would be, uh, your status, so whether you were active and live and ready to take a call or whether you were working on your after-call work or whether you were on break or on lunch. And then there was another one, which was for, um, uh, well, essentially toilet break um, and that you were away from your computer. Do you have, um, Do
1: you have in call centres, do you have to click a button before you go on a toilet yeah, break?
7: Yeah, no, you do. You'd, you'd, ha- you'd have to click a button. So, um, like, you could actually produce entire reports of second by second precisely what someone is doing at that moment in time throughout the day and your manager would go over that with you okay I was going to come
1: to that but just ahead of that the 15 minute a week toilet break in call centres works out at 3 minutes per day on a 5 day week yeah 3 minutes for an 8 hour shift yeah like that makes no sense to me there would be reasons why people would need to spend a little longer than three minutes in a loo, you know, unless you're Speedy Gonzales. Well there's,
7: well, well, there's lots of reasons, there's lots of reasons for that um, you know, I mean, being a woman you know, there's certain weeks where not to get too graphic or whatever like You don't but, have you to, know, people understand like, what you're yeah. saying um, Yeah, and or if people were pregnant or if people had Crohn's disease or IBS or whatever um, like, but, but the, the, this was the reality of it um, and the, the, if you asked about it, um, this sort of unofficial productivity kind of policy you'd be told well you have your breaks and your lunch um, to do that but on a half hour lunch break you know if you kind of are just...
1: Man that's over the top and so if you went over that 15 minute to week loo break what would happen?
7: Um, Well your your manager would um, discuss it with you Um, and I suppose the way that they would discuss it and this maybe moves into the more toxic element of things is that they of course would feign concern they'd be wondering if you're okay but of course you know in any other workplace that I have been in you wouldn't really have this conversation with your boss because you mightn't want to tell your boss well you know I have x or y medical problem which is why I should have you know the normal amount of time that people normally but, get to use the facilities like
1: Okay but what happens after the conversation if People just can't stay within the 15 minutes the misfortunes. What happens then? Is there an oh. official reprimand?
7: Well, uh, it, it was, it, you would move into like different things. So um, I suppose usually what would happen to us if we were kind of, you know, running over time on various different things. Like there's even, you know, if you're spending too much time on your after call work, we were supposed to get that down to a very short period of time. Um, so you would be put on what they would call a PIP, so a Performance Improvement Plan. Now, if you were past probation, I suppose you could either decide to brazen it out, um, but that might attract ire from your manager. Um, in which case, you just have to kind of put up with that. But if you weren't on, if you it weren't past your probation, well, then of course it, it would be like, well, you could your employment could be finished you're let go because you're on probation do do you accept
1: that there has to be monitoring some kind of monitoring when people are working uh you know um in in say call centers and and that there has to be targets otherwise people just possibly wouldn't work to their best ability if there weren't targets
7: well generally the case with targets is that you know if 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 you if you're setting targets with people you should generally set a realistic target that they can actually achieve but the problem was is that bonuses would be tied to exceeding targets and then the target would always be stretched beyond what you could possibly do as well you know so So the better you were at it the
1: more the target increased is it
7: well, that's what would happen, yeah. So, like, if you, were, if you were performing well, then they would sort of take that as, like, your baseline and the targets would sort of shift all the time. So, if the team had a good performance as a team, then the target would move up further. Um, but also the targets would move depending on what time of the year it was. So, with Airbnb, of course, summertime was a total nightmare. Um, there was a World Cup on as well, um, which also was just... A nightmare because you'd have people screaming down the phone at you and they're in another country and they've paid lots of money and they've just found out that the airbnb that they're in is a scam the website was riddled with scams um and um it was it was very difficult to do anything except say well you should have read the terms and conditions of the website which of course nobody wants to hear if they're on there and you and, have, and you're having you just holiday you, you, know? you can't
1: just kind of hang up on them kind of thing
7: um, no, no. So so there's 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 an emotional labour kind of element to this as well, which is no matter how um, frustrated someone was on the phone to you, um, we would have to be, of course, very calm and pleasant and polite and nice. And, uh, of course, in Airbnb, you'd have all the odds shouted down the line at you yeah. because, of course, people would be highly frustrated. Yeah. But you would have to stick with this. Like you, you weren't allowed to hang up really um, and, and the thing as well is that in terms of that micromanagement piece as well your one-to-one meetings with your manager, they would play calls back to you, you know, so like you know, oh, you'd man, be hearing yourself back and yeah. that's just really cringy I'd and, so. and unpleasant I imagine, yeah, I imagine and, you come out yeah. every day
1: totally mentally and physically exhausted I hope you can hang on there because I'd love to finish this conversation on the other side of 10 uh, I hope you're in a position to do that Lorna and also to anybody else that's working or has worked, I won't ever give out any details of people who contact me within call centre environments, do get involved text 0868
8: I'm Lana O'Connor, Red FM News is first for local, national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie
4: the Neil Prenderville show,
1: Red FM. I want to wish a very happy 60th birthday to a special man his name is Barry Clahacy. I've met him on a number of occasions down your way and had the pleasure also recently of meeting his lovely wife Kay. Uh, Barry Clohersey is an amazing guy because uh, it's nearly a year since he fell off a roof down there and nearly killed himself. He's a walking miracle, and made a miracle recovery. So fair play to him and he's much loved down in the all area. So happy birthday to you today uh, Barry. Have a great day. Happy 60th, pal. It's all uphill from here, Sissy. So uh, have a good one. And uh, regards to everybody down y'all way. Um, just um, chatting with uh, Lorna Bogue, the independent councillor for Cork City Southeast, who spent. Uh, ...period of her working life in call centres. She'll be interested to hear this. Uh, I recently heard you speaking about call centres. From my experience, they are very toxic places to work long term. Uh, I spent almost 20 years in a call centre... ...where up to 19 people a week were leaving the building... ...due to the stresses people are put under. In my role, I was employed to resolve conflict... ...between the customer... And the company. So I knew every day going to work, I'd have a bad day to look forward to. Within the call center environment, each person has a target to meet that is broken down to weekly, daily, and even hourly targets. Uh, If the target isn't met uh, and you are put on a performance review, That can lead to a disciplinary and eventually management out of the building, as in managed out. If you were sick more than once, you were put on a disciplinary and your wages were cut for the days you didn't attend work, even if you had a medical certificate. On two occasions, it was so bad, I myself lost my eyesight for up to two hours at a time. Such was the pressure I was under. My health was severely impacted over the lengthy period I spent with the company. I did at one point request to work on a part-time basis until I got my health back, uh, but I was denied this. One day, I was so highly stressed... When I went to my manager for help, I was told to go home and have a bottle of wine. Eventually, I was offered a relocation to another section of the company, essentially doing the same stressful job, but just with a different title. I eventually left of my own accord as my health was so bad, I was seeing a specialist. During my time in the company, an employee was pushing for the establishment of a union, which was frowned upon by management. Once they were labelled as a troublemaker, you see, their every move was monitored eventually that person was also forced out. Do you want to pick up on that email, Lorna? It probably rings true, does it?
7: Yeah, it, ring, it rings very true. Um, and I suppose a lot of call centre workers have moved between different call centres. So we all have horror stories of like, which ones are the worst ones, which I'm obviously not going to go into. Mm. Um, but um, that, that sounds a very familiar story to me. And I, I suppose on top of that as well, if you were working in a call centre, for a longer period of time, because usually people leave very quickly um, and go between different call centres. So, I mean, a long time could be eighteen months in a job. Like someone who's there that long would be considered kind of there for a long time. Um, and I, I suppose the thing of it was is that the reason why people would often leave as well is that, um, in terms of hiring managers or having promotions or moving up in the company. Um there's very little opportunities for that and they would always um hire externally. Um so that's that's what would that's okay. what would happen in my opinion. Okay. So if the if so, the
1: period of time that people stay in the job is quite low, um mm-hmm. companies and call centres know that, so aren't terribly concerned about burnout or or or, no. or or the rules and regulations that have to be followed, perhaps?
7: No, no, because they, they, they know that there's always more people coming out, um, and I suppose you know anyone who stayed for the period of time that that uh, other um, person stayed in for twenty years i mean well that that is that is a very long time, but in my experience, that is someone who stays because They have to. Um, And usually the people who would stay longer would be older people who had families. OK. But there was always younger people who could come in and, you know, um, and and uh, just just uh, be trained up to do the job. But then, of course, there is never enough people hired to do the job kind of that the, the company was actually getting a contract from another company to get. So every day was just work, 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 work all the time you know and what's constantly.
1: the what's the attraction then for people to wanting to work in a call center? is it like what are the wages like
7: um well, I mean my attraction was that uh i was um i i was on on welfare at the time and uh was under 25 26 so i was on 100 euros a week so my attraction was that i like to eat and have a roof over my head (laughs) Um, i wasn't looking for the glamorous life uh of a a call center worker um it was the job that was available at the time is it Um, because there
1: would be little or no qualifications necessary there are plenty of the jobs it's easy to get the job and you start fast
7: Um, It's a job that you can start fast. Now, in terms of qualification, there were people with PhDs working on the floor with me. Um, So it, it wasn't necessarily a lack of qualification. It's more that people who are qualified, at that time anyway, were finding it difficult to find jobs at the level that they were qualified for. So in order to just bring money in... Um, very often, people turn to call centers.
4: Stopgap, um, yeah, yeah,
7: yeah. yeah. Um, you, but for some people, it, it ends up not being a stopgap, but is um, you know, if you've kids or anything or other um, dependents on you, like you, you just end up staying, you know. So this could be, and a the companies re, could know be, that. This kind of they know that about those workers. Absolutely, you know? I know what you're saying, yeah.
1: and, and and this culture could exist as you're describing it. We'll, 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 we can understand then why say tell, tell us we'll be looking at moving um you know the, the moving business to bucharest and moving business to manila in the philippines they they will just go wherever it is cheapest and where the profits will be highest right
7: um well it's it's not necessarily just that because there's also time zone things that you have to think about as well in call centers because these are global companies you need different places and different time zones um, in order to fit in with the, the working day that people have. So, I mean, in Cork, it would start at six sometimes, but seven generally. Um, and um, then we would continue working until, um, you know, the the, the wherever um, in Asia was open, but then open, yeah, then America and, yeah. and around the world. Like, well, I, I suppose my main issue when I was there was that, Effectively, I was a Voxpro employee. So my contract said on it that I was a Voxpro employee and the conditions of my work were based on business needs that were not actually really outlined in my contract. And my base wage at the time was €20,400 per annum. That was my salary. How long Um, ago? Um, that was in 2016. Would it be better f- than 100 a week? Like, know, but, but would I it mean, be considerably
1: more than that now, nine years later? Twenty grand.
7: Um, I was looking on Glassdoor where people post wages, so I think it's starting at twenty three, twenty four, something like that. But that's not in line with inflation. Um, so twenty
1: three so grand for a full working week is the salary in a call center.
7: Uh, well, in in the better paid ones, the yeah. better paid. So um, some
1: are substantially lower.
7: Yes, some some of them are. Um, and again, I didn't work in those places, so I can't speak to them. But some of them are substantially lower. Now, the thing that I think is happening at the moment. And so that's why you could have six conjecture. or eight people
1: sharing a house then, because they will never be able to afford anything on a wage like that.
7: Well, yeah, um, that, that that's it. Like, um, and and unfortunately, those people. In the current rental crisis that we have can't exactly turn around to the boss and say sorry like I'm going to take my toilet break <laughs> you know like because um as the, as the other listener was saying like there was a lot of disciplinary type action that could be taken for no reason whatsoever are and there unions in the
1: likes of say telus or in the old Voxbro or or indeed in abtran <laughs>
7: as far as far as i know um not really now i tried to start one um and i had a similar experience to what the other listener said so um i did something very simple at work one day which was that we had an internal communication system um for chatting to each other about work-related matters um and I put together a survey um, and shared it with my colleagues and basically just said, um, you know, look, I don't want to be sort of always at you know, big meetings of the company giving out about things because like I don't want to be a complainer. Like I, I would like to have a evidence basis for what I'm saying. So I'm just going to put together a little survey um, and we can, uh, you know, just put together anonymously. You know, rather than contacting radio shows or whatever, our yeah. um, problems in the workplace, and uh, very reasonably just have a discussion then that is based on fact on our working conditions. And for this, I was sitting at my work uh, station one day, um, and a person from my HR pulled me away from my desk, not physically just to,
4: no, I know to come yeah, along
7: yeah, with no. them.. <laughs> um, you know, um, and um, took me to another part of the building. Um, that I couldn't have access to so my, my key card wouldn't let me in or out of this part of the building and uh, they shut the door on us so it was just the two of us in a room um, and they basically um, made it very clear to me that if I was passing on this information to a third party i.e. A trade union that there would be problems um, as a result of this um, Do, you, you, know, do you, and- you see
1: that as a threat then?
7: Well, of course I saw it as a threat because we, we, we had in our employee handbook a whole set of, you know, circumstances and procedures for uh, a performance improvement meeting or a disciplinary meeting. And if it was a formal disciplinary meeting, then I could have brought a colleague with me. Um, But because the whole thing was done informally, um, there was no recourse. Like, I I actually had to ask for minutes to be taken at this meeting. Um, You know, now I I am a councillor now. So obviously at the time I was kind of a little bit more politically aware maybe than other people would tend to be about, you know, well, here is what the legislation is. Here is what I can legally do here is what i can't do so i was clear on that but i mean like it was still scary and like my 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 work and my money and rent relied on me keeping this job um and i i was i was working grand o at the job like it was a frustrating and annoying job um but like i was still working away at it um you know
1: and how did it end up in the end then obviously there was no trade union cause there, and there still isn't under, under say for instance, the case you're talking about TELUS. But did you stay for long? Were you managed out? Did you just quit?
7: Um, well, I ended up quitting, but it was a process of I would ask for the days off that I was entitled to take and I just suddenly wouldn't be able to take them um, or just little things like that would kind of happen. Um, all the time on a more and more frequent kind of basis, and I was put in a performance improvement plan, even though my performance was pretty much the same as everyone else's but of course, nothing was formally said about all of this um and I knew that it was kind of i was running out of road at that point um so i i had i had i i, I eventually just um, just one day just got the last straw like and i I just said no i, I can 't stay in this environment like Mm. it's just not good for me um, to be in here and doing this every day like as you're getting it off the customers but you're also if you're sort of getting it off uh, your managers and HR and stuff as well it's it's not pleasant. And, you know,
1: you know fellow colleagues, because there could be hundreds of people all working alongside each other uh, on different ships and what have you, would, would there be happy places? Would people get on? Would friendships be made and what have you? Or, or well, is everybody- I,
7: I, got on, I got on great with my colleagues. Like, there's a great camaraderie, and they're, they're the people who actually support you um, when you're after getting off, like, a bad call. Like, sometimes you just get off a call, and, you know, it's someone who is just really either really having a go or um more often like somebody who has a genuine problem with the company but the script that you're kind of following doesn't allow you to help them. Right. Like yeah. Because because we we as customer service agents always wanted to help people. Okay. You know, okay. and if someone's crying down the phone at you and in Airbnb for example, you know They've had all of their money scammed off them. Uh, they thought they could trust the website because the website is supposed to kind of moderate what is on it, and of course that was not being done to the degree that it should have been done. And you know they're they're stuck in another country, and they don't have money, and their kids are crying. Yeah. like well, your heart bleeds. So, for them. What, like, so, you're so would sorry
1: the, for them. Would you see? Would you see call center colleagues very upset coming off calls, crying coming off calls?
7: Um well well, yes, um that that would happen sometimes, um and um, there was very little kind of support for them, um you know, like it was it was just kind of the the only thing that uh, would be done for people is this kind of employee fun activities type thing, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know that's that's not really going to help someone whos so just. Continually having bad days. At so you're, work, you 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 come
1: off the phone from a really bad call, right? Uh, mm. And you're and you're very upset and possibly even crying. But your phone rings again with the next call.
7: Well, you you might be able to sort of say to your manager, "Look, this has been really really upsetting." But you'd have to really sort of, you know, the, the managers would be reluctant to do it. You know, um, even though of course they would also at the same time be saying we have all of these kind of supports available, but, you know, you try and access them, and, of course, suddenly they're not there, and then it might come up in your next sort of one-to-one. But would you accept, I won't keep you much
1: longer, but would you not accept that maybe the managers are under the same kind of pressure and performance-related targets as everybody oh, else? Oh, oh, well,
7: well, uh, well of course they were. Okay. Like, the, this, this is part, partially the thing as well, because, I mean, like, if our starting wage was on 20,000, like, the managers mightn't be on that much more than us. But, of course, they were always hired in externally as well. So they wouldn't necessarily know how to deal with problems. Okay. Meanwhile, there might be someone sitting at the desk beside you who has been there for 10 years without promotion who knows exactly what to do. But, of course, they're on the same wage as you okay. because they've never been promoted.
1: Okay. And again, I think we also touched on that there's little or any chance of promotion or a serious wage increases over the years.
7: Yeah, well, well, this is it. But like, again, like, I suppose to go back to what is actually happening in TELUS now at the moment, um, you know, because those employees um, who might have been with Google before, um, they're being offered now these worst paying jobs within TELUS. Um, and it's, it's kind of like if they were actually directly employed by Google, then they would be entitled to statutory redundancy, or at least would have that offer made I know, to them. I know. But it seems as though that's not happening, and that's because of the way that these companies are structured, which is to get around um, uh, getting around um, agency legislation, agency worker legislation as well. So
1: the agency um, worker is better than a direct employee worker. Yeah.
7: Um, yeah. Well, well, yeah. well. This is it because, yeah. like, you wouldn't be directly if if you were working for yeah. Google. Yeah. Then Google hires. Uh, tell us who then hires you so you have no legal relationship with google That's right. even though you're doing the same job as someone up in dublin and when i was an airbnb our starting wage was like twenty thousand, um maybe up to 23 um if if you were kind of able to negotiate that during the hiring process but people in dublin doing the exact same work reaching lower targets than us so lower performance directly hired by Airbnb would be starting on 28, 29, 30 you know um, mm-hmm. and that was, that, that, that's something that uh, the, the, the sort of Irish system allows to happen.
1: Okay, okay let me talk to Jane if you don't mind she's been on hold for a while but I do appreciate you uh, shining some light into the world of call centers. We're well used
7: to being on hold so right. fine. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that's true,
1: okay yeah. the nature of the job, thank you Lorna appreciate it. Uh, Jane, good morning
9: Hi, how are you?
1: Um, I
9: was just listening to that girl there, and like everything she says is just true. it's the worst job I ever had. anyway.
1: Fifteen um, minutes a week, which you break down into like three minutes a day for toilet breaks. Yeah,
9: yeah, literally. And if you if you were on longer, say you had three minutes, your manager would come over and like get off, uh, tell you to get off your break.
1: If you were over the fifteen minutes break or the half yeah. hour lunch,
9: yeah, 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 they'd be
1: straight over. But they probably would hate doing that job, though. Yeah, well, we hated
9: it too. I suppose it's pretty obvious; everyone hates
1: it. Okay, so you worked for six months in a call said It was the worst job I ever had. Why?
9: Yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I made six months, five or six months. It was just, um God, I don't know. I just. Every, everyone, I think there was a bad, a bad mood in everyone. everyone bad
1: vibe, was. is
9: it? Yeah, yeah, bad vibe from yeah, everyone. Yeah. And no holidays. You can never take holidays, as that girl was saying. They'd open the holiday calendar, and you'd go on to book a holiday, and there's nothing left, nothing for say the whole summer, June, July, August. Tried to book three days off, and couldn't. They said no. So basically, couldn't take holidays. That was the end of it. There's no.
1: But everybody's no entitled way to it. a summer holiday during the summer months. Yeah. What? Literally. Why couldn't <laughs> it be worked out?
9: Um, I don't know, it wasn't people to cover, I suppose. So, basically, um, you just couldn't take all this. I was there for five, six months, that's all I lasted. But during that time, couldn't take a day off, so it wasn't
1: worth it. So and do you mind me asking about the money, the wages?
9: <sighs> money is oh, not great. Not great for what you do, anyway. Bad, to be honest.
1: The intense level that you're working at.
9: Yeah, yeah,
1: the abuse you deal with every day from customers. So big big international companies, say the likes of Airbnb, they don't have to take the grief. They get another company to hire staff to take the grief for them or answer all of the questions. So they're distanced from the problems. You're the problem solver, really, and you're treated like crap and paid crap money.
9: Yeah, I'd say even if the money was a bit better, people might stay, but no, the money is, Low, 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 I think, anyway. And they don't tell you the money when you're going for an interview. That's what I hate. That's what the worst thing is. You don't know. You just apply for the job and you go for it, hoping for the best. You don't know what money you'll be on.
1: And would anybody ask in an interview? I'm just curious to this question as to what the wages are.
9: I didn't, but I don't know why you feel a bit uncomfortable asking. I think it should be in the ad, every
1: ad. And And why were you attracted to call centre work?
9: Um last resort. I thought they just came home from Australia and they needed a job. So I just applied first and they were the fastest to get back. So that was only reason to be honest.
1: And when you decided to go, did anybody within the company try and convince you to stay?
9: Um no. 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 They knew I knew I was definite. I I wanted to leave. And any problems I had at the end you have a meeting at the end of your employment before you leave and you just get no satisfaction to be honest. So I was definitely done then. They're all about themselves,
1: you know. They're yeah, all insurance. about themselves. They're all yeah. about the performance, the amount of calls that are answered on yeah. behalf of the clients. Um, I suppose they are a necessity. Um, there would be chaos yeah. without them. But it's about respect in terms of conditions, really, isn't it? That's what it's yeah. improving. Yeah. They're
9: just a number, kind of in them, really. Everyone's a number, you not? Okay. Like
1: but would you not? Would you think that there's a lot of people working in in call centers now? We're looking at Arima, Connect, Zazzle, Intrust, Zebas, yeah. Abtran, Tellus, Leia, Marriott International, RCI, Capita, Air. They're just they're just some of them. Would you say the vast majority of them are young people from overseas who are coming here?
9: I'd say so, yeah, because I, I don't think Irish people put up with the job anymore, to be honest. I I don't know, really. Hmm. Hmm. When I worked, it was it was people from all over, to be honest. And then I think their main... Um, company was in the Philippines or something like that most people
1: working there okay okay did you move on to better things
9: yeah yeah <laughs> Thankfully.
1: yeah and I suppose your health and your how you were feeling improved as well then when you when you moved yeah. on to better things
9: yeah oh definitely yeah I okay. don't
1: know how people are happy in those places okay yeah. thanks Jane I don't know how people are happy in them places uh, worked in call centres in Cork for years definitely the worst job I ever had crap pay management absolutely horrendous Micromanagement, impossible to get time off. Avoid them. Uh, if you have a job already, stick with it. These are some comments from Reddit. Uh, yep, the worst job I ever had. I lasted barely over a month, but was so stressed out I couldn't handle it anymore. Terrible management, terrible organizing, terrible pay, terrible facilities. All of which, all of which made customers angry. So I had to deal with being shouted at all day for stuff I wasn't responsible for or stuff I wasn't able to fix. Life is too short to work for these idiots, especially if you already have a job. And just another one here. It can depend a lot where you end up. I worked in a call centre for five years and had a reasonably all right time. You'll have some crap managers and some good ones, some crap days, some boring days and good days. It's like any job, really. If you're in your 20s, it is a good place to make friends. I met my missus there. Plenty of nights out and all that. But that was pre-COVID. Some accounts that you'd be working on are more demanding than others. And it's the luck of the draw where you end up. If you're willing to work and put in a bit of effort, you can get good experience for whatever you move on to afterwards. But I would love to know what the pay and conditions are like. Um, if, if, you know, If it's as low as the... Mid to low 20s for a full week's work. I imagine the, imagine the Airbnb account is going to be a really hard one to work on, isn't it? Calls from Airbnb or what have you. My friend worked in a call centre in Cork um, and they were working on the Irish water account. He was there the day someone posted a lump of actual feces, as in poo, to their office. Came in the post. He said that wasn't even close to the worst thing about working there. Avoid them. Uh, I worked in the call centre for three years. I would literally sooner shoot myself in the head than go back there. I could go on, but that kind of says it all, doesn't it? Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break.
4: Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's
1: Red FM. Chap here says he worked in a call centre on the Sky account some years ago and he didn't like it at all. He said it lasted about two weeks on the actual floor after a couple of weeks training. What I really disliked was the fact that you feel like a child in a school in there and there's not a professional person and you're not treated like a professional person in a professional job. you were 10 minutes away from your PC. That was the time. So for toilet breaks. And if you smoked, that's all you got in an eight or an 8.5 hour shift, 10 minutes in the entire shift. But the fact it was recorded on a spreadsheet is not a great look. I arrived for work one morning at 9.03 and got a warning email about being late. The last straw was when I'd hang up on whatever call I was on at 5.30 on the dot because my shift was over.' You send an email saying, I'm late for work, arriving at 9.03. You bet your ass I'm not staying a minute over 5.30 either. Oh, you, this guy would hang up on the call when it hit 5.30. Team leader recognized us straight away what I was doing and gave me a meeting. I explained all, but alas, you can't hang up on a caller, which is fair enough, of course. But to get respect, you've got to give a little respect. Now, that was just one account in there. Can't talk about other accounts um, okay, so like, if, if, if you ever get hung up by a call centre, take, take a look at your watch uh, and wonder if it's just the end of their shift or what have you. So keep those coming, text 868 and I won't give out private details for anybody that gets in touch with me. The cars. I'm very disturbed about these toilet breaks and the rates of pay and, and things like that and this all started, of course because of the issues at TELUS. So I will come back to it, text 868 Lots to do between now and midday, including, don't forget, including that extra bonus item to there, the Uni pizza oven from Hanley's. It's worth over €400, euro. and we were talking all things summer with them yesterday, and we gave, gave, gave us one of these to give away. So we're looking for the best summer stories, lads, the best summer stories win this pizza, put it in the garden, it'll cook the pizza within 60 seconds alright, but stay safe with it now you're talking about a hot item if you win it uh, text 0868104106 with your best uh, summer story I want to go back to the phone lines, we've got Sean O'Leary on standby, Sean good morning good morning Neil. how are you? I'm good, thanks so much for taking the call very interested in what happened in your life because everything was going fine, it could have been going better, you were playing some serious football uh, you were training hard uh, you were getting yeah. first team places, then somewhere up around Thurles. uh your world top turned upside down literally
0: uh, yeah, so I was coming home from a match in Thurles um uh, about two years ago now um and unfortunately i uh, was based wrong place one time and was involved in a very very bad uh, car crash um and you know like that um just happened all so quickly yeah, um and yeah look i I'm, I'm very lucky to to be still be here today um you know following the Injuries I received um, in in
1: that car crash. It was a two car crash. You were in it, and your girlfriend Emma O'Connor was in it. And you described it in the notes as like like a movie scene, like a, a like a bomb gone off. Are you, are you describing like everything happening in slow motion? Is it?
0: Uh, well, like it was, um yeah. It was just it's it kind of more the aftermath, really. Um, you know, when, when sort of my girlfriend kind of regained consciousness um, and. I kind of realized uh, how, how serious it was, um, you know, I suppose this pain really was probably the main thing that, um, you know, I'll I probably never forget and it was probably, you know, once the emergency services landed, um, that was when I probably realized, you know, the extent of how serious it was. Um, when they kind of set up the lights, I, I ended up seeing my right femur hanging out through my leg. So. Um, oh,
1: this was at, no, it was dark. It was a dark night. It
0: was dark, yeah. It was dark, yeah. And they're
1: setting up bad. emergency lights and you're in indescribable pain. Do you think it was all yeah. over?
0: Oh, so, yeah. So I was, I was holding my right femur with my right hand um, and um, basically, I started to lose all feeling in my in my legs um, and, you know, the, literally, like I, I, I realised, you know, once they came, how serious it was because they, they said I was losing its blood at such rate that I, I was literally almost going to bleed out to death. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically, I was extracted from the care. But and, were they...
1: Did you not pass out?
0: Uh, yeah, I I, well, I, was, I was in and out of consciousness, you know, but they were kind of... They were trying to keep me awake as, as much as possible because they were kind of afraid if I fell asleep, you know, that I wouldn't wake up again, you know. So they were kind of trying to keep me um, alert and awake. Um, but uh, to be honest, then, once they kind of started giving me... Um, Injections uh, because you know I think they realised that when they could put me out of the car, like anything could happen because it was very dangerous. Um, and after that, then I, I don't remember anything for about I'd say about fifteen hours, I'd say.
1: And um, of course, while all of this is happening, Emma's in the same smashed-up vehicle as you.
0: Yeah, well, th- thankfully she she was able to um, walk out of the, out of the car. Um, it was kind of I, I was kind of the one that got the blunt of the the I suppose the the hit. Um, so she thankfully she was able to they get to, to walk freely from the car, um either the side the road. Uh so I I, I wasn't in the, in the same boat and yeah look I was just very grateful to the, the emergency services for, you know, how how quickly they were to respond, um and I suppose getting me out of the car into the hospital. Like I, I think we don't appreciate really how how unbelievable job that they that they do
1: like, you know. Absolutely and, and I will come to that uh throughout the course of our of our conversation. So you did serious damage to your body. Did it lead to paralysis?
0: Uh well no, luckily um once I made the hospital I was I under I underwent um resuscitation um at first um and then after that then I basically um the the doctors and the, the surgeons worked on me all night um and basically they they pop in my right leg my right finger back into my leg and wow. thankfully you know I I was actually able to so basically like the, the blood transfusions were a bit more or less the thing that saved my life. I ended up u- losing about seven units of blood but um, quite a lot of that's
1: about what a unit is that about a pint seven about, pints about a pint, of, about a pint of blood yeah, yeah. but that, you, so we, we have only got about 10 to 12 pints so you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so
0: like I, I was almost like you know I was literally like on the last 10-15 minutes before I, I would have bled out like you know so um you know I immediately started getting blood transfusions um at the hospital and you know, they were more or less, like I was just so lucky that they were there, they were available. I remember at the time, even before the crash happened, I remember seeing alerts about the Irish blood transfusion service were, uh, were were short in blood, and I think they were imported over from the UK at the time. And um, yeah, you know, like I didn't never did I realise that like six days later I, I'd be um, like living on a hospital bed um, getting that, that blood cl- pumped into me.
1: So without that seven pints. I wouldn't be talking no, to you. I wouldn't no, be talking no, to you. No, Full stop. And, and and your recovery then was probably a very slow recovery. Your broken legs and to titanium rods inserted and yeah. all sorts of things yeah. like that. Yeah. So I've, I've titanium
0: rods. Yeah, going from my kneecap to my groin on both legs, um, and also from my knee to my ankle and my right leg also. So I think there's about 120 centimeters altogether of titanium um, in my legs. Uh, and yeah, like I mean, the the. Lizzie um, did an unbelievable job. The, the doctor Rice and, and orthopedics um, at, at Three General Hospital uh, were able to just, I suppose, um, put, put them into into, into my legs. And, God um, Almighty! Yeah. And so I spent I spent, a, I spent a good while in the wheelchair, then after you know, um, trying to let them rest. Um, but yeah, it was a very. You nice were life. a young man.
1: Your family must have got an awful fright.
0: they were, yeah, absolutely, like, yeah, um, awful. Like, and I think the whole community, really, because I think you know. it's, it's uh, like it could happen to anyone like you know like it, 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 anyone could go out tomorrow morning up in the car and the same thing could happen to him. like I think it's just Well you uh, see uh,
1: the young fella last night who took over in Limerick and he took his mam's car when they were all asleep 12 year old and uh, he's dead Yeah
0: mm. Yeah 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 I just, and like you see I, I suppose with the warm weather now like you see a lot of um, I suppose farm accidents as well I see Ah you
1: know and the need and the N- 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 need for and I'm coming to the need for blood don't get me wrong but are your GAA days over now?
0: Um, no thankfully not no um, thank you i I. Kind of went through a, a long period of, of recovery, so I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm yeah I'm getting there. I, I surely. Like it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for all the help I've got from physios and, and um, from doctors uh, all over the county and, and Dublin. So like yeah, look, uh, I, I'm on the way back anyway. That's the main thing. So. Okay,
1: okay. Uh, There's yeah. an appeal been issued, and the Blood Transfusion Service got in touch with me earlier in the week saying, "Listen, we, we need to dig out here. Things need. We need help with blood." And Arlo O'Brien is the CEO of the Irish Blood Transfusion Service. Arlo, good morning. Good morning. Isn't that that an excellent example, but an horrific thing to happen? Uh, And he wouldn't be here without those pints of blood, right?
8: Yeah, absolutely. And um, gosh, I would like to to thank Sean. I know he's been very, very good to us in terms of how we advocate for for blood. Um, I'm glad to hear he's well and truly on the road to recovery. Uh, But yes, a lot of blood that we do um, issue in this country. Um, Obviously, the main reason would be for patients with cancer and blood disorders, but emergencies would be the other um, big use. And Sean would have been a benefactor of that. Um, And I think it also uh, highlights the, the point that you can't control when you need blood, because um, a lot of times it will be an emergency, but you certainly can uh, choose when to give it. And I think that's kind of the, the basis of the um, of the appeal. Yeah. So, yeah. Without people donating.
1: But if you hadn't if, if there was a shortage at that time and there literally wasn't the seven pints of blood needed from from donors, I wouldn't be talking to them.
8: No. Uh, yeah, well, it saved his life, there's no question. Amongst other stuff, he was obviously very injured. No, um, I know that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the thing, it does save lives, there's no question. Um, and it is, uh, you know, in those kind of situations, um, the general public are powerless. There's not a lot we can do, um, but this is one thing that you can do, and you will absolutely, for every time you donate a unit of blood, you have the potential to save up to three okay, lives. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, so so there, are, there are emergencies like his, like Sean's, of course where we have to be prepared for the unexpected. But because of shortages, or this, or this shortage at the moment, are surgeries being cancelled because blood's needed for surgery? People lose blood in surgery. Is that the case?
8: Um, So yes, there would be. So no, we are not. um, We don't have an amber alert at the moment, which you might know we do operate a system. uh, And we would obviously, our plan would always be that we never run so short that we would have to ask hospitals to restrict some of their activity. We've never done that before. Um, and I would be quite confident that we won't, we won't be doing it on this occasion either because the one thing that we do know is once we make an appeal, which is one of our mitigation actions okay. that we take if we see things getting tight, uh, we go out to the public and ask them and they have always responded really positively okay. and this week is no different.
1: So what's the um, difference between an amber alert and what we're at now, which is a chronic pre-ember. shortage?
8: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, or what we would call pre-amber so that's where we've alerted hospitals that stocks are tight. That this obviously would have been um, last week, um, and we just make sure that we are managing it all correctly, so that the blood is going to where it's needed the most. Um, and we keep we make sure that we're communicating closely with the hospitals, so that they're fully aware. Um, obviously, bank holiday weekends, when and obviously we've really good weather at the moment, so uh, people would prefer to be anywhere other than in donating blood. So there's a lot of reasons why we would, um, you know, why it would be reasonable to do an appeal Um, and obviously for us we like to be in that buffer zone of between five to seven days because that means then there is never any question, no matter what the emergency is, we can respond to it. Uh, when it dips too low, um, then it does get tight, and if if there happens to be a lot of patients who might need the same type of blood, that could be a problem. But we've we've not had to go there, yeah, um, and yeah. in large part because we have an, an extremely responsive um, good idea. And but, sometimes but, it just means that we they need. We know we just need to give that reminder. But, but, um, People.
1: But why do only three percent of the population—and I'm not even included in that for my sins—but why do only three percent of the population give blood? Is that the norm across Europe?
8: Um, yes, broad usually in most countries, some would be a little bit better, and about sort of four to five percent would be about the norm. Um, so we're a little bit behind uh, behind that. Um, And a a lot, really, there's a lot of reasons why you might not be able to give blood. So um, there could be very good reasons if somebody has been sick or has had surgery. You know, there's there's dozens and dozens of reasons why you wouldn't. But the advice we would always uh, give to people is check your eligibility. For a lot of people, what we have found um, ourselves is if your parents or your family members have been regular donors, they encourage the younger folks. Um, So, you know, Sean, for example. Yeah. to come and donate. Are you a, are you
1: a blood donor now, Sean? Uh, I'm actually not able. to So I think if you, if you, if you, able, if you get yeah. a blood transfusion before, you you're not able to give that yeah. yeah. again. Yeah, so
0: nor, nor, nor yeah. am I, incidentally. Yeah, nor
8: yeah. So there are lots, there are lots and lots of reasons why you may not be suitable to be a blood uh, blood donor, um, but there'd be lots of Sean friends who would be suitable, um, and you know there's lots of reasons why why people don't and sometimes as with everything it it is an awareness thing it's until until it comes quite close to home that then people realize gosh i really should need to do it most of us know it's a good thing to do um but translating that into actively going to to donate uh, why
1: why is why am i reading something here about covid19 um has reduced your ability to actively recruit new donors why would that be
8: yeah, so during the the last three but for the period twenty twenty to twenty twenty two, those three years, um we would have obviously would have had to operate within the same public health guidelines um, that everybody else did. So it was incredibly challenging, say in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, when the public were being told to stay indoors and stay away from people and we were asking them to come out to donate. So we did see a drop off. We also Purposefully stopped taking blood from healthcare workers, frontline healthcare staff, because we wanted them to stay. Fit and well, yeah. and concentrate on the front lines. We equally stopped taking them from older people over the age of seventy for the same reason. We wanted to protect them. Um, in terms of first-time donors, there is a longer process when we are first meeting new donors. And during the sort of the, I suppose, the height of the pandemic, that was quite tricky because our our primary aim oh, was just to get a blood yeah. supply in. Yeah. Yeah. So there was lots of things that had to, um, you know, we all had to adapt. What we were doing we're out of those now thankfully and certainly for 2023 we do need to grow that donor base there is no question we need to grow by at least 15,000 new donors this year we need them to be younger and we need them to be diverse
1: okay so you need more new donors but you also need those who were donating but kind of lapsed or pulled back from it to come back again
8: yeah yeah, yeah now, i wonder is one of
1: the main reasons people don't is their fear of needles perhaps do you think
8: yeah, that sometimes that is. Um that is the case. Um and we've we've come across uh yeah, we've come across that. What I would say is um to encourage anybody to go to the, the clinic, um our staff are very experts. They know how to take blood. Um and you know, yes, there is a little bit of discomfort, yeah. all right, when the needle goes in. I'm a donor myself, but it's very, very brief and I can absolutely say it is far outweighed by the sense of um uh, satisfaction that you get when you get that text afterwards and know where your blood has been sent to and you know oh, do you, that,
1: what, what, can that, what does that text say typically? Uh,
8: so usually about sort of two weeks or so after you've given your, your donation once all the checks have been done and your blood has been issued, you get a text to tell you exactly where it's gone, so what hospital it, it has gone to um, and uh, I, you know, I've heard of of some donors who said they've heard their blood has gone to every county in the um almost in the in the country. Amazing! Um, Great sense of so, satisfaction
1: yeah. out of that, I would think.
8: Yeah, yeah, and I think it kind of closes that loop so whereas you'll never know the person who um who got it i know for example i know where my own last unit of blood went it went to cork (laughs) so um thank you uh, but it's a very you know that's a very rewarding thing to do because the only thing it costs is your time um so it's you know it's free you obviously you don't get anything back but that sense of oh hang
1: on a second people used to get a cup of tea or they used to get a pint of stout is that gone
8: uh, that's gone. <laughs> you, you get to your coffee, and uh, buy There used to be, used food.
1: to be a pint of stout though, or a glass or a bottle, wasn't there? <laughs>
8: yes. Yeah, no, there was. Yeah, yeah, there was back in in uh, yeah in those days. Obviously, times have moved on. That's no longer not necessarily appropriate, but yeah, I think that was, I, I understand that it was that was a very popular saying at the time, but not anymore. I'm afraid
1: <laughs> to get your iron levels back up again, or something. Here's yeah, a pint of stout. Yeah.
8: Yeah, right. but there's, there's crisps and other nice goodies that you can have instead, but not not uh, not I'm afraid.
1: Okay, um, well, there is a big day down in Parky Cueve in the Shandoon Suite, isn't it? It's an open day. It's World Blood Donor Day, and I we re- will revisit yeah. this closer to Wednesday, the fourteenth of June. But from yeah. ten to four in the afternoon to eight pm in the evening, people can go yeah. along.
8: Yes, that's true. Um, it's been, um, it's a promotion to sort of GAA members to the Cork um, Cork City Clubs um, and yeah, it's, 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 this is a special one for World Blood Donor Day. There's obviously lots of um, clinics in Cork this week and next Okay, week so the
1: Porky Cueve Cork. one is for GAA players but there's a lot of other clinics where somebody's asking yeah. can, um, can people over 65 donate?
8: Um, so if you are a regular donor, yes, you can. If it's your first time, you would have to be assessed by our medical team. Yeah. And maybe just to to, uh, to say on that, um, always start from the position that you can donate, but gotcha. do go on to our website, giveblood.ie and check your eligibility because there's lots and lots of reasons that that you might not be aware of that could impact on your ability to be able and to And that's donate. probably what
1: happened to this caller. She says she was donating all her life till 65 and when was told then yeah. at 65 that she can no longer.
8: Yeah, so she should certainly check that eligibility again and there's a phone number that you can contact as right. well if you want to speak to one of our medical team who would be best able to advise on, on that Um, But yeah, our our website will also have um, the clinics that are in Cork next week. I know we're in Carrigaline on Wednesday. I have them
1: and I'll give them out. Let's get the word out Then we have done Perfect. so. Well done to you, Sean, on advocating on behalf of the blood service because it saved your life. So well done for giving back, man. Yeah,
8: thank and it's you. terrific Cheers. seeing an advocate such as that because um, obviously a 22-year-old speaking about his own experience will encourage other people of the same age, you know, and that's something okay. that we would be very thankful for and are very grateful to him for. Okay,
1: thank you both. Nice catching up with you, Sean O'Leary and Orla O'Brien herself from the Irish blood transfusion service. Now, there are clinics in St. Finbars, in Cork City, in Ballincollig, in Ballagvorney, in Carrigaline, in Cove, in Glenmire, Canturk, Ovens, Parky quive and the dates and times of all of those where you can give blood are on the website giveblood.ie. All of those clinics, and anyone who has not donated before is encouraged to take the eligibility quiz on giveblood.ie. There's also a 1-800 number to make an appointment. You can literally pick up the phone and take it from there. 1-800-731-137. I'll remind you of all of this between now and midday, but it is life-saving. It really and truly is life-saving, particularly when you hear a story like Sean O'Leary who ended up getting seven pints of blood Uh, which is astonishing considering we've only got something between 10, 11, maybe 12 points of it in our body alone.
10: Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Now,
1: the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Okay, back to calls in a few minutes' time, but a lot of texts and emails today. Also, we're giving away tickets for Coda Line at Musgrave Park on the 23rd of June. That's just before midday today. All right, so be close to a phone when I open the phone line's tickets for Coda Line at Musgrave Park and tomorrow at the 1975 at Musgrave Park. But if you're planning... Uh, something that might take you on a bit of a trip over the weekend. This weekend coming is the annual Moby Dick Festival in Y'all. And they asked me to give a mention and a shout out over the next couple of days. Um, Y'all, uh, of course, is a great summer town, needs tourists and tourism. And actually, Ruth says by email, as you said this morning on the programme, Y'all needs all the help it can get. And a group of volunteers called Y'all for All have organised uh, this event and try and bring some life and visitors to the town uh, you know, um, unfortunately yesterday it was more to do with the state of the port public toilets down there that were atrocious and disgraceful and whoever is robbing the soap and robbing the toilet roll every single day, well, that needs to be put to an end. But anyway, the Moby Dick Festival in all this weekend, if you're in the area or planning on a trip with the beautiful weather. Y'all's a great place any time but when the sun shines. And of course Moby Dick was filmed down there back in the 50s and Gregory Peck was in town. One or two of the other stories this morning. If you love your music trivia and things that actually get sold, you know, when musicians die, I was talking a few weeks back about the estate of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and an awful lot of uh, uh, Freddie Mercury's possessions uh, are being sold. But there's a story in the English Times this morning about one particular item. You know Bohemian Rhapsody Uh, the chart-topping 1975 Queen song, right? That was nearly called Mongolian Rhapsody, apparently. They've only gone and found 15 pages of early drafts of Bohemian Rhapsody when Mercury wrote the words for Mongolian Rhapsody instead, then crossed it out eventually and put in Bohemian Rhapsody. So all of that writing and all of those drafts of the original Bohemian Rhapsody will be part of his estate, when it's sold. So the word Mongolian appears nowhere else in the drafts and they're expected, the drafts, as I say, is about uh, about 16, 15, 16 pages of them, 1.2 million pounds. And you know, if somebody was really interested in you, a couple of billionaires going against each other, it might even fetch higher than that for the original draft of Bohemian Rhapsody that was originally known as Mongolian Rhapsody. I was having a bit of a laugh earlier on and rightly somebody, you know, corrected me because apparently I said patience getting on board New Zealand's national airline. Of course, it's passengers, but they're being asked to weigh themselves, right? They're saying, and they're being asked to step on the scales before they board the international flights. Air New Zealand said that they need to weigh 10,000 passengers in a month-long survey so that they'll have accurate data on the weight of and balance of the airplanes. I believe them, right? I do. They're saying things like, "Well, we're weighing all of the luggage as it is, so why shouldn't we weigh the passengers as well for weight distribution?" Um, I think it's the slippery slope, though, to where ultimately, sometime, somewhere, people will be charged their fares on airplanes and their on airplanes their ticket price based on their weight. So you'd pay substantially more money for your ticket than I would. Then, oh, well, thanks. Yeah,
2: welcome. Is that what are you trying to say? Well, you're
1: much taller than ah, uh, yeah, taller. I well, yeah. look at the backtracking
2: there what do you now. You weigh? I actually weighed myself the other day, and I I can't remember in old money, but in new money, I'm about 93 kilo- I, uh, you're kilograms. You're 93
3: kilos. Kilometers. <laughs>
4: kilometers <laughs> you're on, 93
2: kilometers. You're 93 kilos, yeah. and I'm hey 73 kilos. Yeah, I was 98, right. so
3: I'm a bit of an improvement. You're getting better. Well getting done. done. Well, well, a 20 we kilo difference. Michael, uh, Michael O'Leary now to start all that crack.
2: So if
1: it's if it's a five or a kilo, you'd be paying substantially more than me.
2: Yeah, I really, I can't see that actually passing through court though. I can't see a, a European court allowing that to
1: happen. Can you? O- only by virtue of the fact that people are getting bigger
2: yeah but uh, with
1: without using the I, F word I,
2: I can see it I can see perhaps uh, fares going up and them talking about fuel prices but I can't see them standing out there with a with a literally weighing you and then charging You're you they're doing it in New deal. Zealand although no, they're weighing you for centre of gravity but that's only for a tiny little like, I
1: know but that's the start Do you see the,
2: air, the air, air when airplane i going to get very slightly technical but I think it's worthwhile saying this is why they're doing it airplanes have computers that dictate how fast they need to be when they take off and that's based on their centre of gravity so if you have a very small plane and a very large gentleman or bag or gentle lady uh, gentle lady um, I forget I ever said that but you know you they basically the the speeds are calculated on the centre of gravity so that's why in smaller planes it is particularly important to have it right but I couldn't see the day where I'm being charged more than you unless I decide to upgrade to business class.
1: Well, watch this, place for details. I'm just telling you what they're doing in New Zealand, um, and ultimately, who knows what could happen if it's a business and a profit-making opportunity. Can I just say, I'm seeing it, and I have been for the last few days, problems with passports. Here we are again, yet another summer and more issues. I can give you one example of that. Long-time listener, first-time caller. He says, I'm wondering if you can help our family... We're set to go on holidays on Wednesday the 7th of June. We sent off our 11-month-old girls' passport application eight weeks ago. Got it signed by Blarney Garda office um, to witness it. It was due on May 17th. We hear nothing from the passport office, so my wife contacted them on the 22nd of May as she was getting worried. It turns out the passport office had tried to call the Blarney Garda station multiple times. More than they would usually do or try. Uh, and the quote from the passport office was all available. So now we had to resubmit the form. Uh, we headed into her guard Station, and told them the sorry story. And they said, ah, they never answered their phone in Blarney. So now we're in a situation where we have rang every day to check the passport. And it's looking like we will not get on our holiday. My wife is pulling her hair out. It will be the first family holiday with our new Baba Pippa. All we can do for you, Johnny, right, is what we do with everybody else and pass it up the chain and see if it can be expedited by the passport office. Incidentally, if since you contacted me on Instagram, you've got your passport, do let me know, will you? But that's just one. There are others coming in as well. And just a fast one, lots coming in on call centres. Worked in call centres and they're genuinely quite, let me just say the word, C-R-A-P. I worked in one for 4 years and it was pretty much and I was pretty much dead behind the eyes by the end of it. You spend all your day dealing with angry and frustrated people who the vast majority of think it's okay to speak to you in whatever fashion they see fit. The companies give you unrealistic targets for your bonus that are pretty much impossible to meet. The shifts are usually shite. They pretend like there's no that there is room for progression within the company. But there isn't, really. They make you come in on holidays to sit and stare at phones that aren't ringing. The turnover I see in these places shows how horrible they actually can be. You make friends, but they're just work friends, really. Uh, I took off with stress, and my doctor told me to quit, and I did. Seriously, if you already have a job that's not absolutely abysmal, just stick where you are. If you want to get involved in that conversation, text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Talk to
4: Neil Prenderville now, 818 Cork's Red
1: FM. Okay, back to the phone lines we go, and I'll do a load more text on call centers, I promise you that. Tim, good morning.
11: Good morning,
1: Neil. All right, now, we don't have an amber alert for blood supplies, but we certainly have a chronic shortage. You wouldn't be yes. alive now, would you? You wouldn't be talking to me without people donating blood, would you? I wouldn't, certainly not, no. Was it leukemia? No. Was I it would... a rare form of yeah,
11: was, yeah, it was AMS is the worst type you can probably be diagnosed with. It's a
1: very aggressive kind of thing.
11: Um, it is aggressive, yes, yeah. Um, you think I think from from the time you actually are you get it until until you die you'll probably be about maybe twelve weeks, fourteen weeks, maybe.
1: What and did, did so, you so, get so, yeah. did somebody tell you that? Was that given was that yeah, the yes. prognosis?
11: Yeah, when I went in I was actually seven weeks into it and they told me in I had another five weeks I probably wouldn't be there. I wouldn't wake up.
1: So, how do you how do you how do you deal with news like that? Um, I
11: don't. I don't know. You just you just kind of think she said, "Okay, well, well, what can you do for me?" This is this is the way it, it settled me, and I can I just said, "Okay, well, this is your job now." It's, uh, what can you do for me? And um,
1: but you were still given five weeks to live. Five
11: weeks. Yeah. We said, this is they said, "Look, okay. with no treatment, five weeks. Uh, with treatment, maybe a couple of years."
1: No. So, so with treatment, so, a couple um, of years. So you had to go home then. Clearly shell shocked and share that news. Yeah. yeah, well, I think they started
11: treatment almost um, immediately. Um, they, they, first of all, I, get, I had to get a lot of blood. The blood. This is where all things started because my my, blood, my body wasn't producing red blood cells, which, which uh, I need to have to, to keep the whole show going.
1: Right. Okay. And,
11: and then, then I had. This is where the blood comes in. Then you get the blood in to kind of to give you that. So I was at four point five, and I needed to have about fourteen to keep my body going. Pints. Um, not at points as such this is kind of counts Yeah. 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 And um so they have to give you the blood then to bring you up to maybe about eight or ten that be like, kind of a, a taking over kind of a So a how now, much so
1: blood do you think you got over what period of time?
11: Hundreds hundreds of units, absolutely hundreds of units but, uh, since I actually was diagnosed, yeah. And um
1: like You I said got, you said in your text, a small tanker load. Small tanker road, yeah, absolutely. Wow.
11: I, that that I, mean? okay, yeah. So I used to say that to the nurses and say, Oh god, look, I mean you know, the blood also, look, you shouldn't be worrying about this, we've got to give it to you, this is it, this is all you need to to, to be worried about. And um, it's our job to give it to you. We have to get it and that's it, end of
1: story, you know. And others like then scrambling right? in the background, trying to get donations and transfusions in so that people like your good self can can live. Absolutely. And where are you now? Oh, yeah. Like, that was 2022. I mean, 22, yeah. March of last so, year. Like, what's the prognosis?
11: The prognosis The prognosis is, um, well, I, I got two lots of tumours, so the first one didn't work, really work. So I had to go back for a more severe endorsement, but shortly after that. And then um, I had to be assessed in first dental treatment. So um, as it happened, one of my brothers was a, was a perfect match. And I went into St. James's in Dublin for my stem cell transplant in November.
1: It's a great health system when it works, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And are, are, you, are you
11: cured? At the moment I am, yes. Um, for how long? We don't know. They, they, they say to me it, um, it could be anything up to 30 years. I could live for as long as anybody else or I could, I could recover. Re, it could come back in, in a
1: couple of years' time, I don't know. So you're living oh. with that gamble in your head. How do you, yes. how do you deal yes. with that kind of lottery?
11: Um, yes, it, it, I certainly think about it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but having said all that, like since, I, since I got um, diagnosed, there's, there's an awful lot of people I know around here in my locality, young people, and they've all died of different things. And I'm, and I'm still here, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's probably um, the more positive way to look at it. Do you look at life differently, though? Do yeah. you value it more?
11: Um, well, I suppose when I get my strength back properly, which I, I don't have yet, yeah, so I'm still kind of visiting James's every two weeks and I have to go But I'm not getting, I haven't gotten going now probably since maybe January. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then um, platelets, of course, is another thing that comes into the, the equation as well. I mean, the amount of platelets. I've gotten would, would equate create the amount of blood I've gotten. Yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, it's amazing. You've got too um, little of them and I've got too many of them. You know, it's a funny old world, <laughs> isn't it? Surely, <laughs> Mac. So um, yeah, blood blood is really,
11: really a serious thing so, and as, as I say, um,
1: So when your um, strength really is back, like, what do you look forward to doing? Um
11: well I think I'll probably well I am retired now, probably officially and I wasn't
1: uh, Planning it. Well I'm
11: sixty five yeah, well, I thought well, I went probably year to go and I probably would have done that anyway either way, but um um, yeah, I got early retirement really because I was I was sixty four when when everything was diagnosed. So.
1: Yeah, what you do? What you do for a living?
11: Um, well, I was I was a laundry manager in the local nursing home here. But um, I've yeah, done okay. la- I've done lots of things in my life. From the other day, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> too long for us to go on a boat here. So, yeah. are you,
1: what are you going to do with your time now? It's valuable. We probably travel. We probably
11: travel. We probably definitely go home and. Uh, Go to the sun maybe or sit around there for a couple of months in the year. See longer. the
1: world, man. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, life is precious. I hope yeah. that you do get the thirty years, it'll take you up to ninety five. Yeah. How bad? Yeah, wouldn't great, yeah? <laughs> wouldn't it be yeah. great, in good health. Okay. Well I'm getting at
11: the moment is, is good. So
1: Delighted. It's, okay. It's, 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 okay. Well let your story be another example to people yeah. if they can donate that they should donate. It literally yeah, saves lives, like you and like Sean from earlier on, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You're a mighty man. Mind yourself. Okay. Take care of yourself, and Tim. Thanks for talking to me. Good luck to you, boy. Good luck. Okay, so just a quick uh, update again. You can give blood, and there's lots of places to do it. Everybody knows of the clinic in St. Finnbars. There's one in Ballincollig, Balavorney, Carrigaline, Cove, Glenmire, Canturk, Ovens. There's a Porky Quiv one. Now, all of the dates and the times, I have them here, but I couldn't read them it out. It'll just take way too long. But it's almost like a chart. It'll show you the dates. It'll show you the times. It'll show you the locations. And it's all at give blood. Dot i-e. Back after the break. Actually, i tell you what, I won't take a break. I'll, I'll go straight to another call because I know i get completely blocked, blocked up otherwise. If you don't mind, um, let me... Oh yeah, okay, let, let's take the break because I'll, I'll talk to David after these. The
4: Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain
1: open after midday 0818 104 106. Okay, talking about the state of the public toilets in y'all, a lot of the blame should go to the untrained animals that use the toilets and we all know there are enough of them around. Just think of how many pub, or restaurant, or hotel has to put up with people using their loo's? Morning, I work for the council. Those toilets get cleaned at eight thirty a.m. Toilet rolls are taken the whole time, and they're left-handed from replacing toilet seats in there. I can tell you, soap dispensers are ripped out all of the time. Sanitizers are put in regularly, but guaranteed to be lifted. Extra plastic portaloos always go in just before the June Bank Holiday weekend. There are other public loo's blocked. There are other public loo blocks further out. Yeah, Claire, Clay Castle in use. So that's somebody actually working on them, just going with them to put up with regards to toilet rolls, toilet seats, dispensers, soap dispensers, constantly being ripped out. What is it with people? In reference to the public toilets at the Strand in you throughout the year, they are very well maintained, and even on a busy day in summer, they are as good as any standard. Many beaches around Ireland don't even provide these toilets. Uh, there are lots of facilities that that lady can go to if the toilets at the Front Strand aren't good enough. They are not state-of-the-art, but they're always in good condition, even on a busy day. She really needs to go to a posher place like Kinsale, (laughs) says Paul. Also, the beach Neil was talking about between Yall and Ardmore is Whiting Bay, Caliso Bay, Mangans Cove or Goat Island, all very nice spots. Thank you for that, Paul. Um, I, I take it on board what she said and what she witnessed. Now, you're entitled to your opinion. Yes, and that trip I was doing, actually, was from Yall to Ardmore by water. And just going around the corner at one stage, actually... Um, along the way, heading over towards Ardmore, there is a crane on the rocks in the water. It's uh, it's called Samson, um, the Samson crane. And apparently it broke from its moorings, I'm told, back in 1988 when it was going from Wales. Not sure where it was going down to, North Africa or Spain or something, and it was being towed. And the the tow rope or the chain broke and it ended up in a storm then and went all the way. Actually, you're right. It was going from Liverpool to Valletta in Malta and it was being pulled by a tugboat Uh, gale force came upon it and it ended up back in 1988 ran aground at Ram's Head and Ardmore and uh, it was around it on the rib there uh, only, only last week, and it's still there. Just literally, just sitting there. It's an incredible thing to see from the water. Um, so, thank you for those. Keep them coming. Text O eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I'd go to David in a second, but if you don't, if you don't mind, I'm talking about this pizza oven, right? That I've managed to lay my hands on the Uni pizza oven. It's worth four hundred euro. It's a cracking piece of kit, and apparently, it will, um, you know, cook your pizza within within 60 seconds. So we got this yesterday because we were talking about, um, you know, everything's selling so well because summer's here and garden furniture's selling and barbecues are selling and Hanley's gave me this. It's a beautiful, and I'm asking for the best summer memories on this one. There's a beautiful email came in from Paul Ryan. It's just gorgeous. And if, uh, if I read it for you, you probably will be able to share some of these memories and it'll paint pictures in your own head. He says, my favourite childhood summer memory. Every year, my late Granny May and my mother, Teresa... He's got a mother, Theresa. And my brother, Kevin, would pack up the car with our swimming togs and towels and head off on the long road trip to our holiday destination. Halfway, we would stop at a lay-by and take out the flasks of tea and sandwiches and the warm Tanora and the half-melted Milky Ways. Once that well-deserved midway snack was done, we would continue the long drive to y'all. Once we arrived and checked into Mrs O'Brien's bed and breakfast across from the Walter Rally, we would then head off to the seaside for a few hours. My grandmother, though, would go in to wash her feet as she wasn't much of a swimmer and only had interest in the slot machines in Perks. Grannies are like that, aren't they? Uh, soon after, we'd go in for dinner to the cosy café and then it was to Perk's funfair for the evening. I remember the ride that was just inside the wall next to the main street, the barrel it was known as. You stood inside it as it turned at high speed with G force, and only a small chain keeping from launching you into the atmosphere. Inside then was the ghost train, and sometimes there would be a magic show as well. Meanwhile, my grandmother would spend hours playing the slot machines in the hope of getting 777. And most of the time, she got them more than once. Following morning, Mrs. O'Brien would make us a fry-up, and off to the beach we would go. My granny's sisters, Peggy and Anne, and her brother, Flor, would also be down for their yearly, and sandwiches prepared for us by the mighty Mrs. O'Brien, and we'd walk all the way back to the beach and add sand to them before eating them not on purpose i'm sure it was such simple times no rushing no mobiles but great memories a few years later the holiday destinations got very exotic because y'all was replaced by us with tremor thanks neil hope i'll win that barbecue well that's the kind of email and stories that i'm talking about paul it's a beautifully written one great memory and thank you for sharing it my sincerest apologies to david he's been waiting for a long long time but it's important to hear from him. david good morning Thanks for holding. We were talking earlier on about vapes and underage and minors using them. It's still legal to sell vapes to a minor. That's extraordinary but so it is. Um, What experience did your daughter have?
12: So, uh, going back about two months ago, um, it actually started with my partner. She was collecting my daughter from school. So she'd collect my daughter uh, first and then she'd drive out to the uh, childcare then i collect my son. So and on route from the school out to uh, the, the child care my daughter was in the back seat and she was like, look ma'am, look what I got and you know, my partner was driving away so she couldn't exactly turn around and stare at the items. so she said, oh that's lovely you know, just carried on and drove out and when they both got out at the childcare care um, facility, the actual childcare care attendant was looking at my daughter and she was like what, what, what does she have in her hand? And my partner said, sure. she had the first look around school. she took it off her then straight away. So it turned out it was a vape that she had, um, she, had, she had in her hand and she was playing with it.
1: Where did she get it?
12: So she got it inside in the school, inside in our class. Now, mind you, my daughter is only in um, senior rank. She's six? She's six, yeah. So she was, uh, you know, as, as kids are, they'd, they'd get a toy and they'd bring them in and they'd be tra- trading with their friends. And usually she'd bring in small little, like, ponies and stuff like that. And she's mad into lip gloss and stuff like that. So all the colourful things, like if she sees them in the shop, she loves these type things, like if she goes into Claire's and other shops like that. She's mad attracted to the colours and she it could be anything. But apparently her friend that she is... Best friends with inside had uh, could the story goes on, but she brought her home to me. But we we questioned her when we when my partner brought her home, and uh, basically it turned out that her best friend that she buddied with all the time, that she paired up with it within the school, had taken two from home and brought them into school that morning, and kind of you know the teacher does it, they do things sneakily as we all did in yeah. school they were sneaking in between each other and they were having a, you know, playing with them and they were trading them and then she said it on the way Long uh, as I said they weren't smoking parents, them not, though were they no 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 these were empty ones they, they, they were empty Thank, thankfully they were empty right. but they didn't have the knowledge to know exactly they what were they were, were
1: attracted by the colours were they like pink and red that, or blue or something that's exactly what you know what was the
12: best way they were, they were like a, a tropical colours they had multi colours on the, uh, ah on them, and yeah were, and, and I like wonder the do they
1: have them coloured like that to attract kids to buying them
12: Yes, uh, uh, it was really, like, it. It's, it's, as I said, kids are attracted to colours and they love colourful things. So that child was attracted to this and thought, is it an innocent toy? Didn't know what it was and brought him in and passed it on to my daughter. Uh, and it's the small, it two ones, ones, you know, they're like an inch and a half by an inch and a half in sizes so oh my god the things the kids
1: will find attractive it's a weird yeah, world so isn't it yeah.
12: it was and we we were blessed thank god that she did she didn't put it near her mouth either because we didn't want anything that if it was being used and not saying anything about to the family but you just don't know and we we uh I brought it to the attention, both myself and. They're my so
1: and the yeah, they're so inquisitive, aren't they? I mean, it could be anything that's bright or coloured or attractive. You know, at all that's probably why they all. make medicine bottles and pills and tablets and boring little plastic bottles. You know, intentionally. Yeah, and they put they put, they put the these child-safe too. lids on them, so they just can't get at them. Yeah, yeah,
12: that's exactly it. And uh, so later on, we would straight away. I, I actually rang the principal of the school when when I noticed it like when my partner brought her home. Obviously they can't keep track of everything and they can't go around searching in the bags and kids are gonna be sneaky anyway as well as they are at six years, uh, you know, I know, I know. know. Just innocent. I know. So Alright. He, he brought it to the attention of the, the teacher and when questioned, uh, you know, that that that, that partner or, or that that teacher spoke to the child and it was just the colours that she said that. She uh, said was the I colour. didn't know what it. I know, I know. it was I know, totally innocent, in childish like fun yeah,
1: I get it, I get it, alright yeah. listen, thanks for David, thanks for holding on as well and sharing the story, not, not a great phone line but we got there in the end just on, on vaping, if the government bans vaping people will smoke cigarettes instead again, think about it, they're giving out about vaping and smoking, but they make lots of money Taxing us from things, um, and here's an example actually of how wild west it is. I saw a young girl buying a vape. She was only about thirteen. The shopkeeper just didn't care, probably because, to the best of my knowledge, there is no law broken selling a vape, the disposable vape, to a thirteen year old until this coming July. As a non smoker walking along the street, and some vaping addict in front of me and blowing that crap out of their mouths is absolutely disgusting. I was a Manhattan point. This man was blowing it out of his mouth and into our food. Uh, my kids' secondary school in ballacolic is has an issue with all years doing it in the toilets, secondary school kids. It's addictive. End of story. It's not acceptable, and the sooner the government bans them completely, the better. What's your man doing smoking? Like, were you eating indoors or outdoors, a man point? Because if it was indoors, what's your man doing smoking indoors or even vaping indoors? There are laws certainly against that. Well... There may not be, I don't know if there'll be a statutory law from smoking a vape indoors, but companies have loads of laws up saying it. Of that, you can't be sure. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Text 0868 Anthony, good morning.
13: Good morning, Neil. How are you? You're off the fags? Yeah, six months. Were you heavy? Uh, about 30. For how many years? A day. For, I suppose, uh, I'm the party, uh, Uh. something, uh, about (laughs) over 20 years, I suppose.
1: I'll be darned. Did you ever work out the amount of money? Did you ever sit down and do the sums? But, you know... Or maybe you enjoyed every single one of them. Was money well spent?
13: I did at the time. But then, you know, I was getting caught in my chest and, you know, I would say, it's time to pack it in. And I went on the vapes. And I really cannot understand, I just think, am I living in some kind of parallel universe or something where a government that is going to open up injection centres to encourage people to take heroin and a government that gives people methadone to come off of heroin and it's supposed to be a temporary measure but I know people that have been on it 10, 15 years, if not more and it's Methadone is actually more addictive than heroin, and all that can worry them nah, now. Got is, me.
1: is that true?
13: Is that true? Yes, yes, it is true. Ask anyone who's. So been why on
1: it. why would you put somebody on methadone if if heroin is better from them for them?
13: Because it's only supposed to be a temporary measure, okay. but it's not a temporary measure. People okay. are on it a decade or more. It's supposed to be a weaning down process and that's all The The flavourings in
1: vape the flavoured ones include diacetyl which is a chemical linked to serious lung disease these are the flavoured vapes let's take strawberry as an example and these are the ones the kids are getting legally and vaping Um, they're not interested in the standard nicotine vape they want the fruity ones and they can create serious lung disease for adults why, as well, incidentally.
13: Why are people so obsessed with smoking? Why? I mean, it's just the biggest obsession in the country. And every night, there's more hospital beds taken up of people suffering from alcohol and the effects of alcohol. I never heard of a felon out that smoked 10 John Player Blue and beat the crap out of his wife. Or I never heard of a court case know, where, know, oh, Your Honour, uh, he's not responsible because he's a heavy I smoker.
1: Know. I, that, that, listen, that, they're very sensible comments of, that you make. But whatever way you look at it, smoking kills people. And the more you smoke, the faster you die. And it is taking up many, many hospital beds and eating into an already uh, overburdened health system. Come on.
13: Well, look, nothing has been proven yet. And the NHS are handing them out free in the UK, and nothing has been proven yet. I haven't heard of anyone dying from
1: vaping. Well, it is, it's is—it's less harmful than, this, than smoking, they say, but still... Have you not,
13: heard of anyone that, that died from vaping yet? I Six, I haven't.
1: 68 deaths linked to vaping products have been confirmed, and this is a stat that goes back to 2020. This is across America. So I would imagine there probably at this stage are thousands of deaths across the world. But
13: that's because... People are probably adding other things into the vaping oil oh, or whatever. I,
1: yes, and there are there are very cheap um, uh, tankers of it being produced in the likes of China, with uh, yeah, very right. little control as to the ingredients in it. You know, they're like big, drum- big I mean, drums of it are coming in from China. I know that.
13: But I mean, Neil, is there any difference? I remember when I was growing up in the eighties, like there was two grocery shops in Bandon Road. And you could go in and you could be seven years of age and she'd sell you a loose fag and a match.
1: That's right. Yeah, we so, all did, we all so did that. Things there were different not really. But unfortunately, the fella that was up outside the Mon Gates getting the single fag in the shop went on then ultimately to buy, spend money on a box of 10 and a box of 20 and then 30 a day. And before you knew it, had 40 years of smoking behind him or her, all from that one single fag. So anyway, I'm, yeah, I
13: digress. I'm, I'm going back. Going back to the original conversation, Neil, people saying, "Oh, uh, smokers get an extra month's holidays or whatever they time off." They get, off a, they get of of an their extra year.
1: Break. They get an extra year off when you add oh, up all a their year, smoking. It? So, so <laughs> they get an extra year. week. They get an extra ye- week, a year off because of all of their smoking breaks. That when you add up the smoking breaks, it's a week in the yeah. workplace.
13: And why isn't anybody saying anything about? I've often gone into work on a Monday. And someone would show up and they would be absolutely polluted, drunk from the weekend. They were there in body, but not in spirit. Yeah, yeah. And you'd cover for them. Yeah. Or they'd ring in sick on a Monday. And uh, how much time did they get off? You know, why is it always smoking, 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 smoking,
1: Because smoking? it harms every organ in your body, including your heart. One third of deaths from heart disease, a result of smoking and secondhand smoke. That's a quote from uh, the John Hopkins Medical Center.
13: Yeah, well, the John Hopkins Medical Center now should go and do a survey. How much time do people get off work from drinking and abusing drink?
1: Oh, and that doesn't make. I compare the two. Yeah, but I guess it doesn't make as right. I I don't think there's. I imagine there's few enough smokers who are currently smoking that actually love the idea that they're still smokers. Do you know Yeah,
13: what I'm most people don't, and I mean that Champix. I went on that that medication. Oh my God, it works all right. But uh, if you want to have nightmares constantly for about a month, it's it's fine. But, but and then I went to my doctor, and he said uh, I asked him for patches, and he said, "Do you know the way patches would work for you, Anthony? Don't put them on your arm. Put them over your mouth so that you can not <laughs> put the fag in." All right. as I is, said, well, at least she's All
1: right. right just, just before I let you go, there's one text here from somebody who's just taking you to task with regards to uh, being drunk on the job. If management in a company found out about being drunk on the job, there would be serious disciplinary action these days, whereas smoking breaks are allowed under policy in lots of places. You don't see people being allowed to go out for a drinking alcohol break. That is absolute rubbish. You don't. Let, don't me finish, it let me finish. Let me finish it. Let me finish it. He says it's not as if you can have a fifteen-minute off to drink can break. Not a fair comparison.
13: You can come into work barely able to function,
1: and you can get through the day.
13: I've worked in numerous places. I've worked in the hospitality industry. I've worked in department stores. I've seen it constantly for over twenty years.
1: So that person is talking through their vape. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Anthony, as always. Pick up on that conversation. Text 0868-104-106. You can always pick up the phone on 818 Back after the break.
4: Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 818 Red
1: FM. About the weather earlier on this morning. My mum has an apartment in Spain and she sent me this video and they sent me the video of life in Spain at the moment and the video is of lashing rain. Uh, You talked about the weather recently and mentioned the climate change comment. We had the very same weather and temperatures when I was doing my leaving cert in 1970. Climate change is a fantasy to make the rich richer and the poor miserable. Climate is cyclical, not linear. In other words, we've seen it all before. All is well with the world don't worry," says Sean. And then uh, lots. Then on prices here and overseas. This ne- leads me now nicely to Disneyland in Paris. The Disney Hotel in Paris has an advert on TV through one hundred and thirty-seven euro per person per night. You never see hotels here putting out ads on television for a price like that on it. They know that would make them look bad with their 400 or their 600 euro a night. Thank you for that. But bear in mind that 137 in the Disney Hotel in Paris is per person per night, not per room. So you really are looking at closer to almost 280 euro a night. I know. I know what you're saying. It's still... Uh, pretty much cheaper than you'd pay for an Irish or indeed a Cork hotel room for the night but talking about Disneyland Paris Seamus was out on the streets of Middleton yesterday now a number of gardis are set to spend uh, the summer in three French locations that includes Disneyland Paris I told you about this uh, firstly back in the last week and we were talking about it again uh, earlier this week because people are very annoyed about it French police have asked for help in assisting Irish tourists now Croatia and northern Spain ...or the other locations being considered... ...they might well get axed... ...but Disneyland Paris is definitely on the cards... ...and uh, the Gardaí Chikarn are asking members of Gardaí... ...to apply uh, to work in Disneyland Paris for the summer... ...and many people are saying... ...oh my God I can't believe this... ...you couldn't make it up... ...we have a shortage of Gardaí here in Ireland as it is... ...so Seamus took to the streets yesterday to ask... ...if it's a good idea... ...is it a good use of taxpayers money... ...is it a good use of garda shikarna time... Are senior guard of management taking the mickey or with what's happening or are they uh, are they all goofing off while they're over there I hope those puns aren't lost on you the
3: guards the guardy, yes they... you're joking me now you're no, not uh, no I'm not taking the mickey do you think it's a good or a bad thing to be sending our guards abroad for that
8: I think I don't see the need for it to be honest
3: yeah, should they could be goofing off over there as well, couldn't they? Well, I, I can't job. say
8: that, but at the same time, I think I don't know if tourists need that help abroad, necessarily. That's what the police force of the other country is for, and I think we have enough to do with minding things at home.
5: This is the greatest
3: joke of all times, I think. Stupid thing. is that? They can't even mind their own place at
0: all.
3: And, yeah, they like, they, be. they'll be fed and boarded there as well, and they'll also get a get a daily allowance of about 36 euros. Would it encourage you to join the guards? No.
8: I think there should be a home here in our own country looking after us, basically. At the taxpayers' money, isn't the country enough to bother now besides drawing that on us?
3: You think it's taking the mickey a bit?
8: Gone beyond that now at this stage, isn't it? Taxpayers' money, we earn a lot of money to be going in the hall, isn't it? We'll go to Templemore, I think. That's where we'll go.
10: You have to be pick the place be safe place you go on your holiday you know you don't be go crazy place or dodgy place where you look after well you know, unless you want an action
3: pack holiday like
10: that's right that's right you know like in france i don't think there's many many crimes over and france is just and spain Portugal. and i'm sure the french police would have english as well What well, they do absolutely they do they do and you know you don't need a policeman if you're going on your holiday but you need a you need a policeman for her if you're going to holiday. Cull's down all the garden and get them all a the holiday. You swear there is no crime in this country.
3: They're going to get thirty-six euros a day in their pocket of spending money while they're being fed and watered it's, and accommodation. It's not half enough for the daddy Get them
10: five hundred a day. We have so much money to throw around foolishly. Get them five hundred.
3: They're well worth it. Send them on a the holiday. What should they run the holiday? They could be goofing. They could be goofing off while well, we're while well, they're out there. They're dead right.
10: They have no work to do at home. here. This is a very law-abiding country. There's nobody causing any trouble.
0: Nobody. Well, um, if the French asked, I suppose we have to re- re- uh, respond and do it. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm not with them. <laughs>
1: It's very interesting actually because I was reading about it um, before we came on air this morning and several uniformed guardi have already spent time overseas July and August of last year patrolling the Mont-Saint-Michel area of Normandy, very popular with thousands of Irish tourists. So they have been over. It was so successful, the Mont-Saint-Michel thing, is that they're now rolling it out in Disneyland in Paris as well. Um, it's not a wind-up. It's not somebody... Uh, taking the Mickey Mouse or anything like that. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868 Finally, before I just have a quick word with Jerry, lines are open now for Codaline live at Musgrave Park on Friday, the 23rd of June. So we'll take caller 9 and pick up the phone if you're a Codaline fan and you can go 0818 Tomorrow's the turn of the 1975 in Musgrave Park. And also, I need those texts and emails with regards to your best summer memory. I got a lot done this morning. And couldn't get to everything, so I promise you. Tomorrow being Friday and the start of the bank holiday weekend, we'll have a lot of fun with it. The best uh, holiday childhood memories, or whatever, it, just in holiday memories. The, the better ones will get into the final, and we'll pick a winner for the pizza oven from Hanleys. It's a four hundred euro pizza oven. It will cook your pizza outdoors in sixty seconds. Guys, suppose you got to see it to believe it, uh, but it sounds like a great piece of kit. Jerry, good morning. Morning, Neil. Home, uh, you were a bit. I don't have much time, so I may pick up a it sure. in the morning. Go ahead.
10: Right. Uh, yesterday, I had uh, to take a trip up to the north side of Cork City, and I drove up Shandon Street, and I used to go to the man, and I'd walk up and down Shandon Street uh, four times a day. And I tell you, yesterday my heart sank. I could not be, believe the state of Shandon
1: Street. Was it a long it's time bad. since you walked it? It's,
10: it's been a while, yes. It has been. And from like we say, where we Nozio Keiths were, and the, the bottom. Or there, though, yeah. at the bottom, and you should take a, a, a trip up there, it well, well worth the way to see the state of the place.
1: Right? I'm up and down have, there a lot because I cycle the area quite a bit, and it certainly right. is a completely different Shandon to the days of my youth. Correct,
10: and that street was a buzzing thoroughfare of a street, it was the main lead into Cox City Centre for all the North Sea people and, like, you had every type of businesses there, and for the people who are left there, and there's very few traders left there, my heart goes out to them that, you know, the place has gone so shabby, so run down, buildings are nearly falling down, faces falling off, there's one place there, um you know, the building where the left bank... To yeah, be that's at the bottom again in. on the quay. At the yeah. bottom again, yeah, that brings onto the quay, right? Yeah. If you look at the state of that and the building next to it, there are shops up there that are just boarded up. But
1: they're all owned by people who should be brought to it's task ex- for the correct. state of their they buildings. they should be. So, therefore, the question is, what is
10: Andoherty, our chief executive, doing about our city? Like, the North Main Street is nearly as bad, Castle Street... And I feel very sorry for the people who are trading in these streets that are long-time uh, operators there. They're paying, their, they're paying high taxes. High it's a shame, it's, for a total.
12: shame. Yeah. It's, it's a, a shame. Total
10: and not a shame. Yeah. And I think that woman should get up, come over Ivy Tower and walk around the streets of Cork and see the condition our city is into. Plus the fact we have one of the big tourist attractions in Pop City is Shandon, right? Can you imagine if tourists walked up that street and saw the conditions? They the don't shared?
1: care much about Shandon or the Butter Exchange. You've seen the oh, state no, of the no, Butter Exchange course, for no, years no. and no. there's one of the four faces of Shandon. is just stopped. Uh, it's sure. just not working. So it's kind no, of an area no. that has been certainly neglected for far too long. I, I can't disagree with you on anything you're saying. You know, I really can't.
10: It's a talk. I tell you no, Neil, I nearly cried when I saw the place the doctor buildings. Old rotten curtains hanging off windows, shops that were idle for years. And another striking thing I noticed was there were, I saw very, very, I don't know, did I even see any for sale or to let signs okay. on these buildings? Okay,
1: I'm happy to finish this conversation in the morning sure. if you are, Jerry. I'm over time for now, yeah, but uh, Brent,
10: okay. this is an Maybe.
1: ongoing show, so where we stop and we pick up again first thing in the morning. So appreciate it for now. A very passionate perspective, impassioned perspective, either, either, actually, from, from Jerry uh, on Shanda Street. Your thoughts? so welcome on that as well. You can't argue with the man, you just can't. If you haven't been up there in a long, long time, I would encourage you to go. Um, no disrespect to the people. It's, um, you know, this is not bashing the people there. It's just the degradation is just awful to behold. Back in the morning, text 0868104106. Well done, Deirdre Reynolds in the Blackrock area off to Line. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For
8: more
0: Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.